0: This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. Welcome back to Thundercrack Perfect Ten. I am your host Michael Cohen, and hey, I know it's been a little bit of a longer break than uh, than anticipated. Uh, try and keep to that four-week schedule, but uh, but but uh, life got in the way, so. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, you know all of the gory details of that. If not, I'm gonna leave it there because I'm. It's, it's like a little tease of like, hey, go subscribe on Patreon um, and find out what's going on in my uh, in my day to day life. But I, uh, but n- never mind that right now. I uh, we we, uh, we we gotta talk about this. We're we're late. I, I the the topical reason to do it has already. Uh, it's it's already come and gone so now we're just playing catch up um, and I'm just, it's just occurring to me that this is only going out to Patreon supporters uh, in the immediate future so for everybody else listening to this on the regular podcast feed way in the distant future, uh, the liminal space that is whenever the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes are uh, ended um, s- sorry for the long delay but the reality is that we didn't want to put this episode out um, during the strike to the general audience because this would technically be considered promoting something that would have been struck work. It's a whole complicated thing. It's crazy. I, the reality is just that uh, the AMPTP and the studios should be paying uh, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA union members uh, appropriately, they should, people should be making a living wage and they should not be exploiting people, uh, and using AI stuff to basically, uh, take away people's jobs, um, by, by stealing their work and their likenesses and that sort of thing. It's a whole complicated thing that, like, hopefully now you're listening to this in the past, but if you're a Patreon supporter, we're in the middle of it, you still get to listen to this episode on time. But uh, I, future episodes of, of uh, Perfect Ten will be about things that are not film and TV, <laughs> meaning that they can come out on time. Um, we're talking about a lot of video games. But, uh, I and and books and stuff like that. But... Um, but on this episode, we're going to talk about something very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and uh, and and to do that, I needed to bring in somebody else who is also a huge fan of this franchise. Um, I always do this where it's like a tease of like what what we're talking about on the episode, but it's literally in the title of the episode. And uh, and you guys already know that it's Ninja Turtles. But uh, uh, months back, when I was like, oh, I want to talk about The 1990 Ninja Turtles as a Perfect Ten uh, sort of in in, to coincide with the release of Mutant Mayhem, the new Ninja Turtles movie. um, I was sort of on the lookout for like, who am I going to do that with? Who who am I going to bring on to talk about this? Because usually I go to the go to a a friend and say, hey, come be on Perfect Ten. What do you want to talk about? And I let them bring it to me. But this was one of those ones where it's like, well, I want to talk about Ninja Turtles. Um, who am I going to talk about Ninja Turtles with? And, and trust me, there is no, there's no uh, shortage of, of my friends online that like podcast friends that I could talk to about it. But, um, but, I, but I'll be honest, I didn't want to just like go to another one of my, uh, you know, mid to late 30s white cis hetero male friends to talk about ninja turtles because they aren't going to have anything additional to say that i can't already talk about um and that's just going to be two white guys talking about ninja turtles which there are lots of those podcasts but uh but then one day i randomly saw from another one of my friends uh, an incredible enthusiasm for ninja turtles and i was like Bingo! So uh, that's why that's why I went to, to Missy, who you guys might remember from our, our uh, uh, Roman Holiday episode a couple months ago, and was like, "Do you want to come on Perfect Ten and talk about the Ninja Turtles?" So, uh, and and Missy was uh, enthusiastic uh, about it, to say the least. So, uh, so Missy, welcome back to the show, uh, and uh, and I'm excited to talk about Ninja Turtles with you this morning.
1: Thank right. you. It's morning
0: for us. It's yeah. it, we're record <laughs> appropriately, actually. For me, well, I guess it's the afternoon for you, but for me, mm-hmm. I'm recording on a Saturday morning, which is appropriate there you go. for an Ninja Turtles
1: morning
2: cartoons. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm so excited. It, it's so funny because I would never think of it as something that like I would end up talking about, but you know, once you raised it, I was like. Oh my god, I have so much to say,
1: <laughs> so I'm That's,
2: very excited. Yeah,
0: it is a it is a thing that I'm always trying to be conscious of. It's like there are so many. It's there's the TikTok meme of like uh, the the where um, it'll start and it's like a clip from one of these obnoxious podcasts, um, <laughs> and then it like it cuts and then it's the the the, the that the, there's like a song is like another white boy with a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm always like I'm always like I. I have to consciously be aware in the space that I'm in. And even though, like, and I've been doing this since 2008. So I feel like I'm like, like, I, I proceed like that movement of like that specific type of podcaster. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? They're talking about crypto and, you know, gains and, and, and all of these things that, that, uh, uh, very, uh, toxic masculine men talk about on the internet. Um, but like, I'm always like, I always have to be conscious of like, I have an audience, I have a platform and I know the people that listen, like I know who that audience is specifically the Patreon people. And I know that their perspectives and their, um, what they want to talk about is a much more diverse pool of perspectives than just a bunch of generic you know, I, I I'm i going to I'm going to use this word just like the douche bro, like kind of <laughs> perspective. Right. So I'm always like, if we're going to talk about something that is yet another very typical podcast topic, especially like like for Perfect Ten to talk about the Ninja Turtles, to talk about the 1990 movie. It's like, yeah, I could bring Joe on. I could bring Tim on. I could bring Kyle on. I could bring a million people on that that I know are Ninja Turtles fans
2: and who are awesome no shade
0: (laughs) exactly but it's the it's the thing of like of like just us having like an echo chamber conversation of like we have the same story like I know that Joe and I have the same story in relation to Ninja Turtles there's going to be some nuance to it of like oh you know like this is my first memories of it and this is her his first memories of it but for the most part our experience of Ninja Turtles is exactly the same. I know that for a fact because I've talked to him about Ninja Turtles in the past, privately, right? Like off-air. Actually, I think probably on Force Perspectives at some point, talking about Boba Fett, we ended up talking about Ninja Turtles. I guarantee it. Um, Just like we end up talking about Ghostbusters or He-Man or any of these other things, right? Like this stuff, it's just, it's a period of time. It's impossible to avoid. But then when I saw you... Talking super enthusiastically about Ninja Turtles, and and I think it was specifically you had made a, a like sort of tweeted something along the line. This was this was before the the decline of Twitter, by the mm-hmm. way, guys. This was months yeah. and months ago. Um, yeah. I before you like f- you've basically fully exited. I bailed. <laughs> I <you> know, like <laughs> yeah.
2: I I have I'm keeping my account because I'm I'm scared of what they would do with it if I if I left it. But yeah, no, I bailed. Yeah. Like Twitter, Twitter, re- I'm, re- Twitter.
0: I'm five seconds away from deleting all of my my past tweets. I know. Um, oh. it's just the 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 only thing that stops me is like going like there's stuff in there that I actually would like to hold on to, um, mm-hmm. that I need to like go in and like catalog or screenshot or whatever. But um, like really great conversations and yeah and stuff with friends. But but then I'm also like I'm just being a digital hoarder. I need I need to just move on.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah but no, I, I, I don't
0: want. I don't want them using my stuff for nefarious means, which is exactly mm-hmm. what that platform is going to turn into. It's just going to become an AI uh, like source feed mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for all sorts of horrible things that he's going to do with that. But anyways, uh, back to the point is that you had posted something. There was something about Ninja Turtles. I think maybe it was around the time that the first trailer dropped for mutant mayhem.
2: Yeah. Well, I think,
0: I think it might've been that. And you had sort of yeah. tweeted like oh, that you had a history with, and I was like, Oh, yes. Awesome. Because here's a here's a different perspective. Here's the female perspective. Um, And you always have such great things to say on what the force about, you know, like fairy tales and, and sort of that mythic stuff tying into and I was like, that's a conversation worth bringing to the internet. Like, that's one that I can get into.
2: I'm stoked because it, it it's cool because I I don't know for sure of because I I don't I don't remember it clearly but I suspect what I was probably referring to when I was talking about that was the oh crud was it 2008 2000 it was 2008 I think was the, the animated one that came out there was a oh seven oh seven, seven. Yeah. okay yeah. all right so I knew it was in was that in that range yeah. somewhere anyway um and I remember when that one came out and I was oh I love it's still one of my favorites it's so great but what's interesting is you know, so I, I really enjoyed that one. And then you mentioned this one, which, um, you know, my memories were a little fuzzy. Like I had watched it a lot mm-hmm. as a kid, but then I hadn't really watched it as an adult. So, uh, you know, kind of coming back to it and everything. And it's it's been really, really fun kind of refreshing all those memories and then obviously getting to see kind of how Turtles has evolved over the years and everything. So, yep. um, yeah, no, I'm super stoked. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, it, it it's. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're gonna have a good conversation here. So let's um let's start off as we always do with Perfect Ten. Can you explain to the audience for me what in the heck is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle?
2: Okay, so I'm literally just kind of like pulling this out of what I know of Turtles, and therefore it will not necessarily be historically accurate in terms of, well, the first uh, comic dropped. Well, I don't know what year the first comic dropped. Anyway, so, but the point is that um, Turtles started as, as uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles started as comics, and the four Turtles are named after Renaissance masters. So they are Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo um uh Donnie, Raph, Mikey, and Leo. And um they are uh, cared for and trained by Splinter, their master who is a giant rat. <laughs> <laughs> and their arch enemy is Shredder. There are others, of course, many, many enemies, but uh Shredder's kind of the the main guy. And then their um their best buddy April or ne- O'Neill, who is typically a reporter. Um And then Casey Jones also sometimes hangs out with the group and uh, his characterization changes over the
1: years (laughs) and
2: all of these characters have evolved over time. So while they have settled into personalities that we would find recognizable at this point and that we'll talk about later. Um, they didn't all start that way. And that's, what's kind of cool about this movie, which is the 1990 film, which is that, um, you know, it was an earlier phase of the development of their personalities. And so it is different from what we see today in more recent, um, adaptations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Ninja Turtles are, um, I think one of, one of the most amazing phenomenons of pop culture in that. Mm -hmm they are at once a completely wholly original concept.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And yet like, like they, they, I'll I'll talk a little bit about what, like where they actually came from, because, um, because I don't think that the majority of the audience that grew up with the turtles actually knows the full history of it. Um, But I, but, but they have managed to adapt to every, decade essentially every era since their inception um in a in a way that like he-man has failed to do the Mm -hmm. power rangers have failed to do pokemon has failed to do right like like these other things that were like massive movements at the time um they they were they, they they end up being fads right like and yeah those franchises continue um, because everything corporate franchisable gets to continue um, mm-hmm. in 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 this like is uber capitalist society that we're in um, that preys on our nostalgia. but the ninja Turtles to me the most interesting aspect of it is that when we actually look at the different iterations of them over time, they um, they don't care. <laughs> they don't yeah. care about, what came before it's not precious they've been they've been adapted so many times and even in that early span um this movie that we're going to talk about is actually the third proper adaptation the third take within like a decade of Mm -hmm. them existing right right so i think it's i think it's actually in those roots that they were able to just stay malleable stay adaptive Mm -hmm. um and and as you use the word evolve and i think like that's the most important part is that they have evolved and so you get to you get to now you get to 2007 with tmnt and it gets to be something completely different you get Mm -hmm. to rise of the tmnt uh back a few years ago which was wildly different from the 2012 series that had preceded it which was wildly different from the original cartoon series and now like I don't, I'm, we're not going to talk too much about Mutant Mayhem because of the strike and everything, but I'll just say, like, it is yet another completely new adaptation mm-hmm. that takes it in a totally different direction. Yeah. Um. And and I love it because it's every iteration has something to say about these characters. Um, I shouldn't say every iteration. The next mutation, the live-action TV series in the '90s, late '90s, didn't have anything new to say. It was just mm-hmm. Power Rangers is popular. Let's see if we can do a Ninja Turtles Power Rangers thing, um, <laughs> and it did not work, and it's awful. And they were like, we added a girl, and it's like, yeah, but you didn't do it right. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's all. That's all like a whole other. I think like the next mutation is like one of our April Fools' uh, yeah. topics, uh, like we did Spider Man Three, because that is it's it, it is. It is the exception that proves the rule, which is that every Ninja Turtles iteration has something worthwhile to bring to the table. Um, except for that one, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, Venus is a character and she is the first <laughs> female turtle. But um, but anyways, it's a whole other thing. I I, yeah, but I let's get it. Let's get let's get into to sort of the 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 nitty gritty of it. And, and to do that, I want to, I actually want to like kind of set the table a little bit and give everybody the context of who the Ninja Turtles were so that we can talk about the 1990s movie, um, sort of in relation to these, to these two other versions of the turtles that are, that it's juxtaposed against. So, um, the, the comic, when it originally came out by, uh, uh Mirage comics, and Eastman and Laird indie comic, right? like,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: like the definition of an indie comic. I think that when yep. we when we look at indie comic success, Ninja Turtles is number 1 on the list, yep. right? Especially from that time period. Um, and I I Eastman and Laird had been working together on other stuff. They were friends. I I and and you know, they'd had a little bit of of sort of like indie success up until that point. And then one day they were just hanging out uh, I think they were roommates at the time, and they were just hanging out, goofing off, and and they came up with this concept of like an anthropomorphic turtle with a bunch of ninja gear on it, and it was like, that's a thing, that's a thing, like this is something, and and you can go on Google and you can search it, and I'll I'll post it on the Instagram, um, I, but there's an image of the first the first drawing of a ninja turtle, and it is comical to say the least. Um, so it started off as just a gag between two friends, but then, um, Frank Miller was like, just, I think it was just sort of like at towards the end of his daredevil run yeah. where he introduced the hand ninja, uh, into the whole daredevil mythology, which is what like defines modern daredevil stories. Right. Um, like it really, like that whole, Frank Miller era of Daredevil really redefined that character into what we know him as now. Before that, he was just a blind guy with a devil costume that, you know, threw a baton at people um, because he was blind, right? Like, like, like the character, like most comic book characters, they kind of start in this very modest uh, concept and then, and then writers come and develop and develop and develop, right? But Frank Miller had set this tone that was like, for the time, so absurdly serious that Eastman and Laird looked at it and went like, like that he's taken ninja, which at the time is like B movie stuff, right? Like these, like these poorly dubbed uh, uh, Japanese and and Chinese films, right? That are being brought over to North America and they're schlocky and terrible um, mm-hmm. because of the way that they've been adapted and interpreted. Uh, for the North North American audience and they're considered a joke. And he's taking it like Frank Miller has taken that and turned it into something like so, so cool. And then they came along and they were like, but what if we took that and we like pushed it even further. Right. And so that's where the Ninja Turtles are born. And that first issue, by the way, <laughs> that introduces the foot soldiers, uh, the foot Ninja as like, a joke, a satire of the hand from from Marvel Comics. Um and uh, and and the Shredder as like this the most obnoxious 80s comic book supervillain, like ninja supervillain. <laughs> like, what if we just put a bunch of katanas on a guy? Right? <laughs> and that's how the Shredder is born. Yeah. So like the Ninja Turtles, that first issue is a like the whole thing is a joke. It's an SNL skit in a comic book right like it is a long form mad comic um but that first issue like blew up and people loved it and they kept going and then they introduced the the krang and they introduced baxter stockman and april and all of this all of these other characters um that uh, that end up being like the main characters moving forward in the series but but Shredder is that character that sticks around, right? Because he's just such a great concept, and the and the Foot Ninja are such a great concept. It's like you mm-hmm. got to have the Ninja Turtles fight fight other ninjas. Um, but but it always, there are people who take Ninja Turtles so so very seriously because it is so near and dear to their heart, and I am one of those people. But. I am so deep in the Ninja Turtle lore, not just like the Ninja <laughs> Turtles, like like the like the in world lore, but like how they were created, who who uh, Eastman and Laird were, and the other creators who've come along, and sort of like plus the Ninja Turtles as they've gone on. Um, that like for me, I look at it and I'm like, there are no rules here. Mm-hmm. This started as a joke, yeah. Right, like the whole thing exists as a joke,
1: mm-hmm. so.
0: Everything and anything is fair game, unlike something like Star Wars that has like this very I i find a very like concrete, solid foundation in those three original films, but in mm-hmm. particular in A New Hope, mm-hmm. like like George had a vision for that world and a purpose for that story and um, and a methodology towards telling those stories. And I think that that's all very important. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very, it's, it's foundational, right? Like it's, and it's a concrete foundation. Whereas the Ninja Turtles are built on sand. Like Mm -hmm. they are built on a giggle that turned into a comic book that turned into a cartoon series that Mm -hmm. turned into a movie that turned into an empire. Right. Like it, like the whole thing is built on such shifting foundations that like every interpretation is valid to me well, like that's that's the difference for me yeah
2: star wars is a vehicle for george lucas's philosophy like mm-hmm. I, I mean at its most fundamental that's what it yeah. is versus you know tmnt is it? it is just a cool, fun concept. Hey, ninja yeah. turtles, that's fun, right? You know, in the modern day and they like pizza and all like I mean, it's just fun and yeah. silly. And but what's great about it is because the characters are teenagers, that's what enables them to plug into the zeitgeist in every yeah. era. And so that's what's really cool, and why they're able to keep reinventing themselves is because what they're always doing is speaking to kids, you know, adolescents in this, you know, this phase of change and, you know, interacting with their world, moving into adulthood. And um, there's always something new to say about that, because, you know, in every era, people experience that part of life differently you know it looks very different now than it did 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago so uh, you know it's that's why it's fun i think to watch all the different versions of turtle or, or experience all the different versions of turtles is because you're seeing what was adolescence like at the time that this was made because that's what this is yep. talking about
0: yeah for sure mm-hmm. um i want to i want to I, I have a story that i want to talk about do but it. first i'm going to ask you the question oh okay What's your first memory of the Ninja Turtles?
2: Okay. So it is actually this movie is my first memory of turtles. Okay. Um, And it's because, and this is what's so funny when you were like, Hey, um, let's talk about this movie, the 1990 movie. I was like, I only have one memory of that movie. And my only Mm. memory of the movie is Casey Jones going, oops, as he crushes shredder. (laughs) 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 that's the only thing I remember and what's funny about that is in retrospect why is that the only thing I remember I feel like it's because because it's it's framed as a joke and yet even as like a four-year-old or whatever I was I understood the utter horror of a guy being crushed (laughs) and so I remember just like being like whoa and so that that is one of my earliest memories and then beyond that um the I was so big into the show when you know the early 90s show when it was on like I just watched it religiously Saturday mornings when I got home from school whatever just constantly watched it and um just really really loved it I remember tons of that show like lots of the show I remember very Mm. very strongly um and the I love the song so much that um my I got my kids hooked on it very young I was like we're listening to the song and they're like oh this one and I was like no we're listening to the original." Yeah, <laughs> and so I love the song, and uh, yeah, that's definitely my first experience of turtles.
0: Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So I I've talked about this on other podcasts. So if if you're if you're one of the Patreon supporters that's been listening for a long time, you've probably heard me tell this story multiple times. But this this is the first time that it's actually properly in context because usually it's like part of a tangent. Um, so. The Ninja Turtles are actually like my first fully formed memory. Like that's like that's how far back I go with with the the four brothers. Like they are they are family to me. Like that's like it's 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 inextricable. I can't get away from it. Um I have memories that are a little bit earlier than 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 the turtles but um but they're like fragmented memories right it's like that sort of like like there was i fell off the back of a bed when i was like two years old (laughs) and split the back of my head open that's my very first like that's the first thing that i ever remember is like that night um because there's trauma uh, 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 like attached to it so there's like like i have like trauma memories of of going to the hospital and stuff like that but they're like flashes right Mm -hmm. but my first real memory the this is the furthest back that i can trace because like having talked to my parents and stuff it's like this like i would have been i would have been like four years old um and it it was i in a house that i have no other memories of like it was like like post that it's like everything else is in like these other houses that that um that I sort of have like like very solid memories moving forward but it's like this is the only memory that I have of this house and I remember details about it that like when I talk about it my mom is always like I don't know how you like you were you were so little and it's like but like you can describe that in such detail um and it's I assume a Saturday morning no one else is awake. It is just me and my dad. Um, and, uh, like that dawn, like golden hour sort of light, right? Like that early morning, like gold light is coming through the window in the kitchen into our living room. Was like the kitchen was sort of like, like just off of the living room, which is like a sunken living room, right? Like, like a couple of steps down. Um, and, uh, and I just, I remember sitting on my dad's lap with a bowl of cereal, like like he and I eating a bowl of cereal together, Fruit Loops, like I remember the cereal, <laughs> watching the very first episode of Ninja Turtles, which like, I don't know, I don't know how he knew that it was going to be on, and I can't ask him now, because he's gone, so like, this is one of those things of like, I just have to like, hold on to this memory, like this is just... Like it it is, it is not exaggerating. It's not hyperbole to say that this is the most important formative moment of my entire life, because everything that comes after it is informed by this moment, which is sitting on my dad's lap, eating a bowl of cereal, watching the first episode of Ninja Turtles. And like, like that for that pilot episode did not, it wasn't, it wasn't released on VHS with, with the rest of them. Like, Like, it wasn't until much later that you could go back and you could watch the pilot episode. It very rarely aired on TV, right? Like, because the rest of the episodes, not the rest of them, but most of them, were part of, like, storylines, right? Mm -hmm. But the first episode isn't. Like, it's sort of its own thing with, like, the origin story Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Like, the pilot was the pilot, and that's how they used to do things, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so it was one of those things of, like, as like. As early back as I can remember, I know that I had seen the first episode of Ninja Turtles, right? Um, even though it was very hard to come by. Um, and it wasn't like it is today where you can just go search things up or just buy it online or get a DVD or whatever, right? Like back then, it was like if you didn't catch it on TV, there was a good chance you would never see it again. Um, but yeah, like that, that, that is, that, like that is the f- very basis of my entire personality. (laughs) And I think it's the thing that actually like there's that. And then, and then I think actually, like I talked about falling off of that bed and cracking the back of my head open that, that, that early brain trauma, I think are the two things that differentiate me from my brothers. Um, (laughs) Because my, my brothers are both jocks and, and my mom, she wouldn't want to hear this, but she was a jock too. She was like a track and field Mm -hmm. jock in high school. Um, and she played softball and like did all of these things that are like so far away from who I am as a person. And my dad also played baseball and like, but he, but I was much, I'm much more like my dad than I am like my mom. Um, because my dad was a dancer and an actor and like, he had more of that sort of a, sort of a thing, which I'm much more in line with that, which is, it's funny that like, it's this memory that, that, that is the first layer of my entire personality. Cause I, I often say that like everything, once I realized that, that like, I sort of unlocked that first memory and was like, this is like, this is the, the thing that like, I am always trying to get back to like, it's that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. in my life of like, just like I think that I think that a lot of people can relate to this. That that a lot of the things that that become sort of core to your personality are things with loved ones—a parent, yes. a grandparent, a sibling. That it's like, I just know I know that exact feeling. Mm-hmm. I know that exact feeling of like security, of happiness, of joy. It's like what to me, and I know that a lot of people will relate to this on a very like like surface level of like, what's better than sitting and watching Saturday morning cartoons and eating a bowl of cereal. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like literally nothing is better in life than sitting on a Saturday morning with a bowl of cereal, like cold frosty milk,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: sugary cereal (laughs) and something bright and ridiculous on your TV in front of you, like, like Mm. two inches away from your face. Right. Like, Like that to me is is everything. So everything that I do, these podcasts, my work, I, my my relationship with my own kids, my relationship with Crystal, like it is literally all built on this foundation to the extent that like, like I'll tell you the reason why Crystal and I started having conversations is that she said something about He-Man. It's like what I've done to you for this conversation yeah, today. You're
2: like, oh she said
0: <laughs> I met her working at Toys R Us. We were both working at Toys R Us, right?
2: That is such an awesome nerd origin story. I oh, it's it. so good. Go ahead. <laughs> um
0: and and we were in the break room at one point. And she said something about He Man and like needing to know more about it. And I was like, oh well you've come to the right place. Like, like allow me to uh, I absolutely because you know of the point in time i didn't realize what i was doing but allow me to mansplain he man <laughs> and i uh, i and and i and i brought her a vhs because this is how long ago it was uh, that she could borrow and watch a couple episodes of he-man because at the time youtube didn't even exist yet yep. um <clears throat> i yeah and and i uh, like that is like that was like my in to talking to her that turned into a relationship that I've now been with her for 18 years and, Mm -hmm. and married for 13 of those. So I like, and that is because like she said something about a cartoon show that I like (laughs) and I like cartoon shows as an adult because of this core memory that is, that is different from, from, I think the experience that my brothers had growing up was just like, like, that one thing and then and then like i say i think that brain trauma which is why i have adhd and my brothers don't um yeah. which makes me very different from them in a lot of ways okay. uh, I, which which i thought was anxiety until i started uncovering less like oh i don't actually think i have anxiety it's, this is all just adhd it all yeah. just
2: points
1: back to adhd yeah
0: but I'm so I, don't
1: wanna,
2: <laughs> I don't want to take us terribly off topic but i will say it is uncanny that we have a fair amount in common in a lot of ways mm. um mm-hmm. so i was four and i fell off the monkey bars onto concrete busted my head <laughs> open and had to go to the <laughs> er so you've been why, there yeah
0: that's why that's why we've both Pursued by uh, professions in the design, because like because we're just not capable of doing anything else.
1: Yes, okay. other than
0: being being creative and artistic, and yeah. this is the only way to make money at it. We're just so, really really
2: obsessed with pictures. Okay, so like yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. but like, and then I went to college for um for illustration and animation. Yeah, And I became the president of the Classical Animation Society at my school, <laughs> which is where I met my husband. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: So, yeah, it's kind of wild. But, yeah, so turtles is a big part
1: of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, uh, I mean, I make the joke that you and I have quantum entangled brain cells, it's right? Like. a man. Like, like, there are things that like, I'll, you'll say something and I'll like, or you'll tweet it or post it or whatever. And I'll be like, that is exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just Yeah, there, there have been way too many coincidences. Uh, we are on we are on parallel paths in different parts of, of the world. But that's true. Um, yeah, I, I it's it, it is fantastic. Um, but that's, funny. that's why I wanted to talk about Ninja Turtles with you. Because it's like, if someone's gonna understand me, I know that you'll understand me. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like, so Ninja Turtles are not just like, this isn't for real, because if you've listened to me talk about stuff on the internet for any length of time, you know how important Star Wars is to me. You know that Obi-Wan Kenobi is like the moral compass by which I make decisions on a daily basis, but the Ninja Turtles go deeper than that to the extent that like, I, it's not conscious, but I will find myself going like. Well, that was a very like Ninja Turtles informed decision. Like, that's why you, that's why you act that way. Like Star Wars, I didn't come to until I was 10, right? Like I wasn't ready for it. It was the, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Like I thought Star Wars was dumb before that. And then (gasps) when I was ready to understand it, it all of a sudden it was like the only thing, right? Like it's just total, like narrow focus to the extent that like everything else fell away for a very long time, (laughs) including Ninja Turtles. Um, but I, I, but, but there is a component of like every time they announce something new with the turtles, it's like I am right there. Yeah. It, like it's just, it, it's, it's, it's literally the core of everything. So, and this 1990s movie was a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause obviously watching, growing up watching the cartoons, that like I, I, I had to see this movie the second that it came out. Um, and uh, I don't I couldn't tell you, like, I don't have a memory of seeing it in the theater.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, but I do know that I like I know from talking with my brothers and, and, and with my parents that like I did see it in the theater. We went and saw it in the theater, um, but I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I just remember this movie. It's a it's a mm-hmm. little bit like Ghostbusters in that respect, Where like that's another one where it's like, yeah. I I don't I don't have a first memory of Ghostbusters ghostbusters is just there it's It's just just no exactly it's just always been there exactly the same this movie is the same thing right Mm -hmm. because it came out when i was five so it's like it was just yeah i but i do remember repeatedly getting it on like like renting it from the video store because we didn't own it um
2: I remember seeing it a lot at like daycare and after school programs. Mm. I don't know why, (laughs) but they put it on like all the time. So I remember frequently seeing it in that context. And then I remember, Oh, I remember I went through a a brief period of time where I, it was like three years where I didn't like turtles because my arch nemesis in elementary school was a big turtles fan. And so I sort Mm -hmm. of reacted to that and was like, Oh, I can't like what he likes. And then, you know, after I, Oh, and then, well, yeah, I, I, uh, first time I ever cursed in my life was when I finally fought back against that kid. He was a bully and I, and I fought back. And then at, after that I decided that he didn't get to have turtles anymore and I was going to enjoy it in spite of him. So.
0: It, you know, <laughs> it, that, that is, that is such a, that is such an important lesson to learn mm-hmm. in life that like, it, it, because I think that we have this, this inclination to define ourselves in opposition to other people. Yeah. Um, Cause I've done that too. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, one of my one of my my best friends in my life i i i when i first met him i he was coming in the 11th grade and he was coming from the junior high into the high school that i was already in into our theater class and he was funny and it made me so mad that he was good at improv because that was my thing Mm. and so like For the first three months of knowing him, I like define myself in opposition to his presence because (laughs) because he was taking my thing from me. And it's like, no, this is like I am the theater guy. Like I am the funny improv guy. You aren't (laughs) taking it. And so like so like I got like super serious and then it wasn't until like I don't even remember what happened, but at some point it just clicked and it was like, oh Oh, we get to be funny together we get to be silly oh, wow. together and it like and it turned and it's like you're now my best friend um <laughs> but yeah it's it, but but so often i think that we, we we will define ourselves in opposition to another person mm-hmm. and it's like it's so counterproductive all you do is cause yourself pain when you do stuff like that it's like you denied yourself ninja turtles
2: yeah <laughs> But I mean, to to kind of bring what a
0: terrible thing to do. I
2: know how dare, but no, but like, so to bring this back around to today, and again, I want to be you know cautious, like you know you won't be putting this out till later, when you know, um, in solidarity with the strike. But so when we get to the point of having the conversation, it's like Barbie. The way that people are responding to Barbie is, you know, a lot of us avoided it for a long time because it was something that was seen as lesser than you know yeah. like girly things are lesser than yeah. right so a lot yeah. of us would avoid pink and a lot of us would not you know pretend like we didn't like barbies or, or convince ourselves that we didn't like barbies and so on and so forth and and it isn't until you know you reach a level of maturity where you're like no actually i i can enjoy what i want and so you know to the extent that that yeah. obviously applies to turtles like to your original point about it it was a joke originally it's very silly the concept is very silly they are you know literally mutant turtles (laughs) so it's goofy but it's really fun and it's okay to enjoy the things that you enjoy regardless of you know how you justify it as you know um with the lore or whatever it's okay it's okay to enjoy
0: well i think and and this is the whole point of perfect 10 right is that like this, this podcast is about celebrating things that we love and defining ourselves in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So like a perfect 10 is not a, it it is not an objective measurement tool. It is a completely subjective measurement tool. And that's the point of it is that like, this movie is a perfect 10, not because of all of the things that it does. Right. Because it's like, cause like there are things, there are technical things that this movie does wrong and it is dated and it is uh, like a, a relic, right? Like mm-hmm. it is very much all of those things. And even at the time there, there are elements of it that, that it's like, okay, yeah. Like this was a, this was like a weird indie film basically. <laughs> um, But, but it's it, like a being a perfect 10 is, like a transcendent quality in my Mm. opinion, not to get like sort of too high on my own podcast and my own, my own definition (laughs) of things, but like, that's why I put a term around it. Right. Because there, it is an ineffable quality that it's, we can't, I can't quantify what makes something a perfect 10. That's why we have to talk about it for over an hour. (laughs) Right. Like that's the whole, like that's the whole point is that it requires a podcast to discuss it. Whereas, what I found myself doing on Thunderquack with Amanda a lot of the time because we would be talking about topical things is that we would be talking about things that were pissing us off. <laughs> right? Namely DC movies, right? It's like it's
2: okay to vent about those things
1: too, though. <laughs> and absolutely
0: it is, right? But like, but it became a thing of like I think like perfect ten exists in in um I like juxtaposition in in contrast to the way that I was responding to like the DC movies and to rise of Skywalker and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. or was like, I was going online and just like adding to the vitriol, which wasn't, it's not helping anything. Right. Like, and, and that, like that thing with star Wars of like defining my love of star Wars in opposition to the rise of Skywalker is not a healthy place to be. Right. But instead to talk about the things about star Wars that I love, Mm -hmm. which is the point of force perspective, which is why, I came up with the two podcasts at the same time, right? Last year, Mm -hmm. sort of, um, which, which by the way, this episode is the one year anniversary of, of perfect 10. This is the, yeah. So, um, (laughs) Uh, but I, I'm terrible at like celebrating those things. It's like we had the 15 year anniversary of, of Frontlines, and I didn't end up putting out any content for it. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of also because of the strike and all of that. It's it's for a sure. it is a very tough time for me to put out podcasts at the moment. But um, uh, but here we are, anyways. But uh, yeah, like it, so, like the whole point of Perfect Ten is to is to celebrate the things that we love, right? Mm-hmm. And this movie. This movie is like uh, calling this movie a comfort movie is like doing it a disservice. Like this movie can turn around any bad day for me. It's like, uh, there are just, there are certain moments in it. Uh, right from the beginning of like <laughs> wise men say patience is divine, but never pay f- for uh, never pay extra for late pizza. Or <laughs> like, like,
2: yeah.
0: Like just stuff like that. The, the Ginsu, not it slices it dices, and then the pizza lands on Splinter's head, and it's just gooey mm-hmm. cheese on this rat puppet and I'm just like, there's a moment every time I watch the movie where I see that where I'm like, they had to clean that off, yeah, but it was worth it for the shot because mm-hmm. it like it sells the moment. Yeah. And and people will talk about the Ninja Turtles now especially with Mutant Mayhem out of like oh the Ninja Turtles have never sounded like teenagers. And I disagree with I that disagree so vehemently so, I think
2: they've always sounded like teenagers I their voice the, the,
0: yeah. their voices and i don't mean like the actual like like sound of their voices although they do have some famous teenagers uh, sure. voicing them in this movie right Corey feldman as donatello is like yep. as in in 1990 you're not gonna get a more famous teenager than that exactly right? there's a handful of actors that fit that description
1: mm-hmm.
0: so perfect for donnie right but yeah. but it is it is that scene early in the movie for me that like, like we start off with all of the like cool dark ninja stuff. Right. We don't see them until we do see them with that killer soundtrack. Oh my God. The soundtrack to this movie is so everything
2: fun. to me. it's And it's so specific to the time period.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the way that like, like the logo flies out and then there's the Ninja Turtles and here they are, they're real, right? Like yep. they're real. They're not, I don't care like just Jim Henson and the team they they worked miracles and there's all of this behind the scenes stuff that we can talk about all of that whatever it doesn't matter these Ninja Turtles are real.
2: They look they are, so cool. They are. Like I, I've just really, okay. So we're going to talk about things that held up and things that didn't hold up. And I, I personally, and maybe not everyone will agree, but I personally think that the suits themselves actually really hold up. I think that they look cool. They're fun. You know, like a thousand
0: percent. Love them. A thousand percent. I, there is no, and I am not one of these guys. People who 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 hang around me know I am not one of these guys. I love CG. I love technology. Mm-hmm. I love where we've gotten to with digital characters. There is nothing that will ever convince me that you will do a better job of capturing these characters in live action than what they did in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like we can't even, we can't even go back with the technology now,
1: no.
0: and and do what they did then. It's right. Im- like it like. Like you would have to, you would literally have to just replicate exactly what they did with exactly the tech that they used Mm -hmm. in like a, in the way that they do period films, where it's like uh, that always win Oscars for ridiculous reasons against movies that you're like the costume design and man, what is it? I can't remember. There's there was a year where like some period movie won over maybe it was a Star Wars movie where I was like, are you kidding me? The costume design in the prequels is ridiculous yeah um and no, the, yeah and you're costume like design
2: but, did not get the respect it deserved um, yeah, yeah but
0: but then but then it's like oh but 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 they made authentic petticoats in this movie and it's like yeah but that but that existed yeah was right? a real but thing like,
2: though versus making something that never existed yeah. or that or that was an adaptation so no this but, is incredibly like, cool
0: yeah like in order to in order to recapture what they did in this movie you would have to go into an archive and look at exactly the limitation that they had at the time mm-hmm. and the way that they had to work around it. And you'd have to rebuild it from there. Cause even you get to the next movie where they've got a bigger budget, they have right. more time. Uh, well, actually not more time. They, they came out within a year, but uh, like you've got, you have more money to do it and you have all of the lessons learned from the first film mm-hmm. and those turtles as great as they look, I think that they look really great. And I think actually the performances are a little bit better in secret of the use, mm-hmm. but, but, the realism, they, they, they start to hit the uncanny valley a little bit it where it's and, like,
2: so one other thing I wanted to mention about that, that I thought worked really well about this and that it was one of those things that struck me as like, oh yeah, that was mm-hmm. really common back then um, as a, as a, you know, a typical filmmaking pattern was um you don't see them a lot like like they yeah. they deliberately don't show them often there's a lot of showing shadows on the wall or you know they just kind of are ducking out of frame just at the right moment and everything so those there's, there's a lot yeah. of not showing them to you it, think of it similar yeah. to how like the shark is treated in jaws like you rarely yeah. see it and the reason you rarely see it is not only does it make it scarier but also it's um, means that they just didn't have to use the animatronic shark as much, um, yeah. and so yeah. you know, so that in turtles I thought it was very similar in that regard is, you know, they keep them sort of mysterious a lot by keeping them um, yeah. hidden. You don't see them as much, but also they have a lot of darkness. That I thought it was very interesting to me the way it was a very dark movie in terms of the lighting. And yet I was still able to see everything that was really important. It wasn't like today where they can't light a set to save their lives. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you know that we're, we're in a funny spot right now with, with, with digital, where mm-hmm. these cameras are capable of, doing so much but then um the way that things get processed and then the way that they get delivered to us mm-hmm. the compression yeah. on streaming is just like it it we just we just completely lose the blacks right yeah, like for it sure. just it just disappears Um, But that's like, that's like super like tech film nerd stuff that people don't necessarily want to hear all about. Right. But But, this was like, um, this
2: was film. It wasn't digital. It's, you know, a shadow is a shadow is a shadow. This was,
0: this was right at the beginning of the era. And, and I think that a lot of this is nostalgia for me, but I think that, I think that there's also some, some legitimacy to what I'm about to say, which is that like the early nineties were, I think the best era for, actual film right like because when we get into the 2000s we start to move towards digital right and and um i like this is even sort of like this is early era of like non-linear editing like Avid. so so we're not even like into the fully into the era of like digitizing film in order to do our editing this is an independent film like like golden harvest is a studio that did nothing else Mm -hmm. of note other than the ninja turtles movies right (laughs) like like this this first movie was done on like a shoestring budget and like basically like like a, a hope and a dream and a wish right like that's how the the fact that this movie exists in the way that it does is as miraculous as film gets and any movie existing is a miracle because it is so difficult to make films, but this movie in particular being as good as it is, but like looking as good, as, good as it is, I think is a, is in huge part to like the very specific period of time that it was filmed. Yeah. And that, that specific time is that early nineties of like, like everything just being like perfectly crisp lighting, being very naturalistic. Um, because when you get into the later 90s and the early 2000s, you get into more like stark contrast lighting and and we start to take on like more of what a modern appearance of a film is now, which is not very realistic. It's mm-hmm. not like like people will say like, "Oh, I want like a realistic movie like The Dark Knight," and it's like The Dark Knight is not is lit not realistic. in a realistic fashion, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. The The Dark Knight is lit in a very stylistic, yeah, very heightened way, right? But but most people don't really understand film in this way like they kind of they they get what they get yeah um but but being a somebody with a film degree like Mm -hmm. i am that nerd that snob a little bit But like (laughs) the 90s the 90s i the, the the example that i always go back to for what i'm talking about when i talk about this stuff it's like there's that there's that um sort of um tan taupe color tone to it everything kind of has a little bit of like a brownish pinkish hue to it yeah and it's the type of film that they were shooting on it's it's just the era of like the technology and the way and the type of lighting that everybody was using but the movie that i always go back to is father of the bride Mm -hmm. it was steve martin movie it's like it is to me like that it is exactly right in that era and you look around and it's like that's it's like that sort of Southern California, actually a sort of right. m- mid-California aesthetic to it. Yep. This movie has a little bit more grit and grime because it's a New York movie. So right. it's like, it's, Which, got, it's almost got like a little bit of like a French connection vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, But that's another From thing that's very
2: it. of its time in this, yeah. in this movie is that anytime you had a depiction of New York City or you know uh in the dc universe gotham which of course is just yeah. like dc new york um like anytime you had a depiction of you know the big city and it needed to be gritty and everything um they always had this same look and they always made it very dark and forbidding they always made it um you know very dangerous at night this was you know yeah. always the way it had and granted that was a semi-realistic portrayal at the time because you know New York city hadn't really, eventually it was cleaned up like later nineties and everything. It was cleaned up yeah. quite a bit, but during the time that this movie came out, it still would have been a little bit of a mess. It, um, it's
0: funny because so yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the difference, if you want to put it in film terms, it's like, you've got, this is the very end of that era of New York.
2: Right, right? exactly. In, uh, 1990. Be yeah.
0: Because by the time that Kevin McAllister gets lost in New York in a couple of years, because yep. I think that's 92, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. New York is clean. <laughs> like, nice. it, is, it is a place where it's like, yeah, it's a little bit scary to be a... To be a 10 year old or whatever lost in new york but it's not that bad times square is a is a tourist attraction right yeah well like uh, compare
2: it to like you know ferris bueller a couple of years later right and then everything is is you know bright and sunny <laughs> and like you know yeah. it's totally different um so yeah for sure it it's um just the way that, that cities were depicted in the yeah. late 80s and and the very very early 90s um, it was always like this. It was always, you know, you only show it at night, yeah. and it's always really you, it's, messy, it's always dirty. wet. It's always wet, and it like you know, wet. there's criminals around every corner, and everything. And, yeah. and I love that they they start off that way because they have that whole voiceover of the uh, the newscaster the newscast newscast, talking yeah. about, you know, like all oh, the crime spree, and oh no, what will be done, and everything. And it just made me laugh because I was just like, oh my god, this is like this this is so specific to 1990. <laughs> Yeah, so,
0: yeah. yeah. It is. It is. Well, yeah. and I i think like this movie is definitive to that time yeah. period. But mm-hmm. I I want to go back to something you were saying. You were talking about the the way that they sort of use the shadows to, yes. to cover up the turtles mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um there's also there are also some tricks of like, cause there are different versions of the suits, because there are yes. the ones with the animatronics, which are for the performance scenes right, right? Performance. but then there are there are ones that don't have none and th- there's no better moment that that exemplifies it than on the top of the rooftop um when when raf is fighting all of the foot ninja by mm-hmm. himself and there's a moment where he's doing a bunch of back handsprings yeah and he is moving with such fluidity that it's like the suits were were super bulky and super difficult yep. to move in though animatronic ones, especially because they're hooked into all of these cables because right. they're being operated by somebody that's actually like five feet away. And there's cables like on the floor and stuff like that. But there, there are a lot of scenes where, um cause like what, like right before that, that moment with Raph, there's the scene with, uh, Mikey and Donnie watching cartoons. He's like, "Ninja kick the damn rabbit!" Because <laughs> they're cheering for the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare. It's just, mm-hmm. it, I love it. It's a, these are jokes so that I funny. didn't get as a kid. That. I didn't get it as a kid, but as an adult, I watched the movie and I'm like, yeah, he's like, Mikey's like, like, just ninja kick the damn rabbit because their context of a turtle is a ninja. Right. But then they're watching a cartoon of a turtle and they're like, why is he going so slow? Go faster. (laughs) Um, They're so frustrated by it because they're like, this is poor representation, you guys. Um, But I, most of that scene is shot from behind the turtles. Yes. Because then they don't have to worry about the lip sync and then it's just the voice actors just like riffing mm-hmm. and making jokes. Right. So there's a lot of this movie that is actually like, that was done in the editing that was done in ADR after the fact that, that sort of like, like punched it up. Um, yeah. that's really interesting, but I want to talk about the, 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 the Michelangelo sequence that is removed from the film. That oh, was yeah. something that like, I just learned on TikTok, like, like, what was that? Like a week ago? Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. You just ago? said it.
2: You were like, what is this? And I was like, I've never seen it. Yeah.
0: This. Yeah. And I sent it to you. I was like, I was like, Oh my God. Like I didn't know this. There's a whole plot line with Michelangelo after like when they go to the, the farmhouse, um, the farmhouse w- of like all of the turtles sort of dealing with their defeat at the hands of the foot and at the hands of the foot. <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's impossible to talk about Ninja Turtles in a serious way. It's impossible. You can't do it. Don't even try. Good luck. Um, they go to the farmhouse, and they're all sort of dealing with it in their own way. And April is literally telling the audience about this, but she doesn't talk about Michelangelo. In mm-hmm. like in the final film, she mentions nothing about it. Like she talks about, oh, Donatello's latched on to Casey, and the two of them are like. You know he's kind of processing grief because they because they're kind of assuming that maybe Splinter is dead at this point, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so like he's doing he's he's goofing off with Casey and Leonardo has like taken his role as leader and as like the the new patriarch of the family very seriously and he's meditating and stuff. Raph is just angry and screaming on top of the farmhouse, but it's actually like it's that's not Raph. It's yeah. actually Michelangelo. You look at it in detail and it's like, nope, that's orange. And it's Mikey. Cause all of the turtles look different. Yep. They all look slightly different. They have different builds. They have very different faces. Um, and, and when you look at the detail of it, you see like, that is absolutely 100% Michelangelo. You can see his nunchuck, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so it's actually, it's part of like a storyline that they planted earlier when, when Mikey and Donnie, at the beginning of the movie are waiting for the pizza, Donatello says, like, you know, like, what Splinter was saying, like, he won't always be around, like, like, how do you think you would deal with that, and Mikey just, like, blows it off, like, he's just like, he's late, that's three bucks off, like, he just, he doesn't even acknowledge what Donatello is saying, because he, because he can't, which is, like, it's such a mature read on this character, Michelangelo, the party dude, who, like, isn't really defined in the comics in that way but but more so in the cartoon series right but that's the context that we're going into this movie with is like you know he's the orange headband he's the party dude and we're like we're going to take it in this way i i it kills me that it's not in the movie because i like it 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 would have elevated the film to this to even further cuz like I, I think this is the most Elevated version of a Ninja Turtle story that we've gotten um, hmm. properly executed. I mean, like the IDW comics take it to another level, but that's not mainstream, right? Like yeah. that's very. Well, if you're I, if you're a Turtles fan you're reading the IDW comics but yeah. but in terms of like mainstream success like this is the most elevated the story's been but I'm and actually have further, but. I'm
2: actually curious though how would it have influenced the characterization of Mikey if it had stayed mm-hmm. in and the reason I say that is because like as I mentioned much earlier you know the the characters definitely evolved over time like one thing I thought interesting kind of coming back to this movie after having not seen it for so long and after having watched you know again the the 2007 and some of the other adaptations is that you know we most of the turtles personalities are quite recognizable today right yeah you know especially if, if you go based off of the song from the, <laughs> the tv <laughs> show where it just lays out what kind of all of their thing is right and so you have Raph, who you know he's he's rude and he has a bad attitude and he's like gruff and everything and um side note um when I was in college, I had a friend who had an absolutely massive crush on Raph. She literally had an, like an entire like Raf shrine in her room. She had a pair of real size, um, which were amazing. All this other stuff. It was so incredibly cool. Um, and 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 I just want to mention that that's like a thing because. Um, it's the cliche of girls love bad boys and Raph is the bad yeah. boy. And so I, I really love that actually. Um, that, well, and there's that- a, there's
0: a, there's a little bit of, of, a, uh, because of the nature of them being anthropomorphic turtles, they are right. monsters. They are, you know, yes. uh, uh, it's a, there's a little bit of a monster, okay. Monster Monster boyfriend thing going Uh, on there. Yeah, sort of thing going on there, which I love. I love that. See, this is why I had to have you on the podcast, (laughs) because if I had talked to Joe about this, or if I had talked to Tim about this, we definitely wouldn't have talked about the fact that some girls... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> some girls wanted to be in romantic relationships with these characters. Okay.
2: absolutely. No, all the time. Like honestly, like if a group of girls got, that I knew got to talk about, about uh the turtles, at some point yeah. the conversation came up of like who's your favorite turtle, but the unspoken context is who you would you date, right? You know. Yeah. So like yeah. and obviously not everyone. I'm not I you know plenty of people are, you know, gay and don't aren't interested or whatever or just that's not your thing and that's totally fine. I'm just saying that's something I definitely heard for sure. Growing up and then even into young adulthood. Um, and so, yeah. so, anyways, so the point is that, like, you know, Raph is like the bad boy. And then, um, to your point, Mikey, the party dude, um, mm-hmm. Leo, the leader. I will say I thought very interesting in this movie that Leo's leadership. Isn't doesn't actually appear until later in the film. Early on, you yeah. see the other characters referencing it, like, oh, such a leader, Leah. But then he doesn't really do anything. And then later, he sort of steps into that role, which I found very interesting. And then with Donatello, I actually felt that his personality was completely unrecognizable. I didn't, like, his normal kind of interest in machines and, like, geeky yeah. stuff was not really there at all. Um, he was just kind of there, and he didn't, nothing really stood out about him. So I feel that that characterization must have kind of come along much later. Probably, frankly, with the, you know, the um, pace of technology um, in later adaptations, then it was easier to lean into that with him, I think, because he becomes more yeah. of a hacker in later versions. It's, um, it's I think
0: it's, it's easy in the cartoon series, because mm-hmm. in the cartoon series, we have such fantastical elements of, like, the foot soldiers are robots. Right. Krang is mm-hmm. from Dimension X, the Technodrome. Exactly. And so then, like, the Party Wagon is outfitted with all of this stuff it's got a laser gun on it <laughs> exactly. the, the toy at least right it's got it like it it does all of these things that he builds a blimp right like, right right like the like the like the turtle blimp is a thing that exists in the cartoons because the toy existed mm-hmm. so it's like you, you get to have that context with the cartoon but when you keep it more realistic his his mechanical aptitude, yeah. is only shown off in this. in be- with him and Casey working on the truck,
2: right? right? And even that, like, it's That's more it. just like two guys in a yeah. truck, and they're kind of bonding. But there's no, there's yeah. no sense of like him being the gadget guy, really.
0: And, and, and so- the 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 next movie gets to he gets to shine a little bit more. Right. Like I like like I think I think Secret of the Ooze is Donatello's movie. If you can like sort of pick a turtle that gets that gets the focus, mm-hmm. um, which usually it's Leo and Raph. Sure. But, but Secret of the Used, Donatello gets, actually, I think Donnie and Mikey get a lot of the focus in Secret of the Used because it's very mm-hmm. funny because they had to lean away from the fighting because of mm-hmm. the parent groups at the time um, that were like, they can't use their weapons. Uh, so, so it's very silly. So there's a lot of jokes. Michelangelo gets to shine and then donatello because of the science stuff because of the mutagen and because of tcri and all right. of that like he gets to he really gets to to show off his personality in that one mm-hmm. and i think that like that's sort of the for me that's the best that donatello's ever been is in that movie yeah um as much as i really love him in the 2012 series he's very mm-hmm. good he's a little bit he's kind of the butt of the joke a lot of the time in that series. Um, Whereas like he gets to sort of be the star. He's almost like the lead.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Raph
0: gets a lot of focus in secret of the use as well. Raph always um, gets a
2: lot of focus because again, he's the bad boy. It makes him interesting and fun. Like he arguably he's, he's one of the, because he's the one that gets that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that um, first kind of individual fight scene in this movie. So uh, prior to the rest of them getting one. Um, And so, That's, that's really fun. But I think to take it back to sort of Mikey and that deleted scene is that like, you know, his sort of characterization as the party dude who doesn't really display the same strong emotions. I think that the other characters do um, that really, I think maybe to some extent solidified after this film. And so it's interesting to me, how would that have been different if, if he had been shown to have much darker, impulses and and personality and darker expressions of his feelings would that have made him a different character in other adaptations
0: it's really interesting because there's a there's a modern comic i'm actually not a huge fan of it um although i know that a lot of turtles fans really love it called the last ronin which is a future storyline for for the turtles where um and they've done this a couple of times this is not the first time that they've done it but this is like a very sort of like definitive take on it because um um because kevin eastman is is part of it right so Mm -hmm. i but it the storyline is essentially that like in the far-flung future of the turtles the other three brothers have all died and Michelangelo is the only one left. And he is n- unrecognizable as Michelangelo because he's had to take on sort of mm-hmm. like the grief of losing everybody that he cares about. Right. Because in yeah. this dystopian future um, where he's the last and I, I don't, I specifically don't like it because of that tone. And like, that's just, I-, I don't think that it's bad by any stretch. Um, I understand why people like it. It's just not for me, right? Like mm-hmm. that's one of those things where it's like, I think just because of where I am in my life right now, that's I just don't like those types of stories. Like I'm right. just kind of done with dystopian, like everything goes bad. I like we live in a dystopia. I, I, right now. I, was I really, say we live in a I dystopia. Really, we don't yeah. need it
2: in our entertainment. I need yeah.
0: hopeful stories about how we can overcome mm-hmm. this garbage situation that we're in right now, not about how it's going to just sure. get worse and worse and worse until we're all subjugated by you know, the yeah. 1%, right? But like, I want to kind of,
2: yeah, but that, but what's interesting about that is, so then you take that back to this movie and what I found yeah. so interesting, again, watching it is that it's, yes, the, the turtles are heroes and it is a story of them, you know, sort of, um, coming into their own and, you know, they have to be separated from the father figure in order to, you know, learn what they're capable yeah. of and all So it, it all is very hero's dirty, which is hilarious. Like we could talk about all of that stuff as well. Um, but the fact that it ends up becoming about this community coming together because they, they redeem and, and bring together all of the boys who are being preyed upon. Yeah. And so what I thought was so interesting about this is the parallels to today where there's, you know, what's being called a crisis of masculinity and everything. And you have adolescent boys being preyed upon by, you know, these mostly right-wing actors and everything and they're, they're you know, asking them to lean into a more aggressive version of masculinity. And that is what shredder is doing in this movie is preying upon these boys that need and are looking for direction in their lives and turning them into turning them to violence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so like there is, there is this undercurrent it's not specifically talked about, right? Like it's all subtext, but our, our, our window into that world is, is Danny. Danny. Right? Uh, and the thing that's never said is that like, Danny has no female figure in his life. He
2: has no mom. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So like that, that the, the fact that he doesn't have that nurturing feminine energy in his household makes him a target because mm-hmm. all he has is sort of a very domineering forceful dad who's like who's trying his best but i don't he's think he's a good that,
2: guy that, they, they, they yeah yeah they depict the, it's just, the dad as doing his best yeah
0: he's overwhelmed right yeah. like he's over he's overwhelmed by his son he's overwhelmed by april he's just an over his head in general that's the type mm-hmm. of character that he is and i relate um <laughs> but like it 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 puts danny in a vulnerable position and the whole point of that character being in the story is that it it shows us how the shredder is taking advantage right and Mm -hmm. it's like it's it it is like that is very interesting the way that you put it of like like that he's preying on the on on this stuff that like we're dealing with this right now in a very like subversive very like like undercurrent of society sort of way that it's Mm -hmm. like nobody's overtly doing this but the shredder is very overtly doing it in the Mm -hmm. story right but he's doing it to these teenagers because they are vulnerable and so he has his whole speech of like like honor and 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 you know like like proving yourself is the only way to to become a foot ninja and like, that, but if you do, you will be part of our family, right? Mm-hmm, like, you'll mm-hmm. belong. You'll, exactly. like, and he's just, like, he's very literally telling them exactly what they want to hear yep. because they're these lost boys. hmm Which is like, it's such a problem that we're dealing with right now. But, but the, but the point of that is that like, it's, this is not a new problem. This has been like really since like the sixties, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like we've been just building and building and building on this toxic masculinity. But the fact that the turtles, man, this goes, this is going to tie into Barbie too. (laughs) The turtles are immune to that because what do they have? they have brotherhood, they have each other. Right. And that's these boys that are being preyed upon feel like they're alone. They're out of community, like they're outside of society, Mm -hmm. or at least they feel that they are. And they feel that they have to go it alone. They feel that their strength, their personal strength is the only way to win because that's what the shredder is telling them is Mm -hmm. that they have to your individual strength is what's going to earn you a place in this family yeah right which is so antithetical to what splinter tells the the turtles which is that like one day i'll be gone and when that happens you will only have each other yep you will only have your brothers and that's the way that you'll survive like yeah. that's the way that you'll get through it is with each other and they go to the farmhouse and they separate yeah but it's not until leo has the vision and then he goes guys splinters alive we have to come back together mm-hmm. they come back together and they only together are they able to commune and and speak directly to splinter and it's very weird in the movie there's nothing else spiritual in the movie but it but I, it's never, ever for a minute bothered me because it is oh. what the movie is about. But right? okay, like, you
2: wanted the mythic stuff. Here's the mythic yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, because, yeah. okay, for instance, when they're, when they're at the, the farmhouse, that's what... Marie Claire would refer to as in the lap of the goddess what are they doing yeah. they're, they are in a place of safety and rest and they are resting on their journey you know while sort of the truths that they're starting to learn begin to percolate yeah. and everything and so they, that's where they are and what is it? it's her house right it's I think she said it was her father's house or something um, and so it's again she's the goddess it's the lap of the goddess they are there in this you know cocoon as they are transforming they're going from from the boys yeah. they were before when they were dependent upon splinter and they're becoming sort of these young men that they'll learn how to to your point to rely on one another and not even just rely on one another but the lesson that both they and danny learn is that you know these aren't just young thugs who need to be taught a lesson they are you know boys who need they need compassion in order to grow mm-hmm. into healthy manhood and so it's it's just Weird to me that it's like a Turtles movie and it shouldn't really be that serious, or but it kind of is because, it's, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's and and. And you could say like like, like people will be like, oh, you're reading too much into this. No. But you're I'm not reading too much into it because it's reinforced in the fight with Shredder. Yes. where they're on this rooftop and they each try and take him individually, and he mm-hmm. Shredder like one hand defeats them. Right. Yes. In the same way that Vader just like toys with Luke in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Right. Like it's it's exactly the same. He's just like, oh, come on, you guys. Um, and then and but Shredder even like he literally says it. He's like any, like all of you together stood a chance of defeating me, Mm -hmm. but one-on-one, like I'll, like I'll dismantle you. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and then, and then they're like, okay, so then we do it together and then, and then, you know, but splinter shows up and saves the day. Mm -hmm. But I, I, but like, but they do like, they do then come together as, as brothers. And then they're able to hold their own against the shredder. Right. Like Mm it, like it's right there. They reinforce it. It's like, we've learned the lesson, but it's, I love it. I love it when we learn a lesson when we have a hero's journey and it's like we even though we've learned the lesson there's still an element of like you have to continually remember the lesson Mm
1: -hmm. because Mm -hmm.
0: you like because it's not a video game it's not an upgrade that now that you've got it it's never going away right? right like. This is that thing that with Last Jedi, so many people forget and they don't understand with Luke's journey is that like, yeah, he yes, he made it there. He did it that one mm-hmm. time he learned the lesson and he threw his lightsaber down and he said, I won't kill my father. Yep. Right. But then he forgot that lesson. We, we've we actually people complain about Mando. They don't like Luke and Mando. I think that Luke and Mando is actually a really smart characterization because we see him get further and further away from the Luke that he was in Return of the Jedi closer towards the Luke that he is in the last Jedi where it's like, Oh, that's how he made that mistake. He mm-hmm. got way too into his own thing of building the Jedi order. He believed his own legend. And you know, like that's why he's able to then make that mistake again. Cause he loses the lesson. So the, like the brothers get up there and they're like, Oh, we're going to defeat the shredder. And Raph is like, I can do it. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, they lose that brotherhood for a second. And then they have to come back and remember, no, we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. that's you know yep. uh, it it's it, it, i'm just ken and so am i right yeah. like it's it it has to be that <laughs> like 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 unless you're alan in which case you're fine because yeah. you're a you're a you're a, a i know a, what you know <laughs> it but anyways I, I i crystal said to me last night i i oh no it was this morning before we started recording we were talking and she was like like we i wanted she was like can we do a barbie episode and i was like yeah barbie's absolutely a perfect 10 oh my like, god absolutely it's a perfect 10 that'd uh, be a good time it, I don't. I, I said to her, I was like, "Are you ready to, to to come prepared to that conversation? Because if you're gonna be on perfect ten, you got to have notes. <laughs> We're gonna get deep into it. Like it's not just." And she's like, "No, I just want you to talk about." It. And I was like, "Don't worry, we will do a perfect ten Barbie episode. Um, what I what I will probably do is I will probably just get you and uh, other women to come on, and I'll just sit. I'll just I'll just I'll just introduce the episode, and then I'll let you guys talk."
2: That'll be so. I think that's. Fun. I think
0: that's the most appropriate way to do an episode about that film. You'll just um, be
2: like, "Hey, I'd like to introduce you to Barbie, 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 Barbie," and I'm just Ken. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, actually, I had I had an epiphany the other day that I think I'm more of an Alan than a Ken. Ah, But there you I, go. But, but we'll save that. We will talk about that on a perfect ten in the future. Good. Um, back to Ninja Turtles. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it. It this movie, unlike it's sequels which uh, like i love to to an equal extent that's not a joke like that's not hyperbole i love secret of the ooze as much as i love this movie and i love turtles in time ninja turtles 3 as much as i love the other two like and i i recognize that that movie is not as good i do not care it doesn't (laughs) matter to me i love it equally it's the same thing that I'll say that I had said about The Phantom Menace in the like the midst of everybody still hating the prequels. It's like, I don't care. I don't care that it has problems. I don't care that it's slow in the middle. I don't care that you don't like Jar Jar Binks. I love The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And you can go ahead and define it as a bad movie. Doesn't matter to me. You can define Ninja Turtles 3 as a bad movie. You are absolutely valid in that stance, in that opinion. It's a totally reasonable rational logical place to be with that i am not logical reasonable or rational when it comes to the ninja turtles and they travel (laughs) back in time and they wear samurai outfits and uh that's it i don't like nothing else i need to like they there's a staff and they hold it and then they switch places with a bunch of samurai Mm -hmm. and then those samurai are in the future and like they get to go play arcade games with Casey Jones like yeah it's a perfect movie as far as I'm concerned but I understand why other people think that it sucks mm-hmm. um but I think I actually think that all of the Ninja Turtle movies are pretty good at least pretty good even yes even the what is it 2016 Michael Bay movie one? Uh, uh, oh oh Bay my produced. god I gotta he be honest I it, haven't seen that it. But, okay so the first one Lot of problems. Lot of problems. First and foremost, there's some, well, a lot of racism in it because oh they, no. were oh into, no. they were going to whitewash Shredder into they were going to turn Oroku Saki into a guy named Eric Sachs. What they do it? He is in the movie. Eric Sachs is in the movie, oh. but then they 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 went back and they reshot. and they added. When people found out that this is what they were doing, they they added Shredder back into it okay. as a Japanese guy.
2: Oh my gosh,
0: weird. But this is the thing: is that. There's a there's a bunch of stuff that's actually like a lot closer to the source material that they do with the turtles that really works for me. I don't like that they're big Hulk turtles, right? But <laughs> the characterizations of the brothers are actually super spot on. They don't get to shine as much in that one as they do in, in Out of the Shadows, which is the the second one of those. Mm. Out of the Shadows is actually, actually, legitimately the second best Ninja Turtles movie storyline from a writing perspective. It is the second best of the films. Mm. Casey Jones is not Casey Jones. If you just change his name to a different character and if you just replace him with somebody else, cause Stephen Amell just absolutely delivers one of the worst performances on film oh, no. in that movie. He's so bad. He's so, so bad. It's like, buddy, you're acting. and We can all <laughs> tell. Like, and like, look, Stephen Amell is a person, no thanks. um, And that is speaking as somebody who has been in the room with him. Um, he was very, very nice to me at a certain point. And then once I was no longer useful to him, I have no, I used to be quiet about this, but now I have no problem spilling the tea because of what he did during this strike. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he just, he just, what he did is he just turned around and he showed his whole ass to the entire world. And I was Uh like, that's the guy that I know. That's the guy that I had an experience with, but I had to be quiet because everybody else thought that he was great. So it's like it just sounded petty up until now. It's like now you guys see this is the yeah, guy. He, this oh. is who he actually is.
1: Breaking your um, silence. If it's not,
0: if it's not serving him, then he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my experience. Is that when he when he thought that he needed us for something to be on our podcast to increase his profile and be a man of mm-hmm. the people, then he was nice to us. Mm-hmm. And then the second that he had done the podcast. Never heard from him again. So Never weird. heard from him
1: again. So weird.
0: So, um, anyways, but, but I say all of that to say, I think he's great in Arrow. In the first three seasons, th- first two seasons and then season five of Arrow, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think he's, a, I think he's a talented actor. He just needs the right role and the right director, but he is awful in Out of the Shadows. But if you just ignore that part of it, <laughs> the rest of that movie is actually very good. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, like, like I would say like, it's a 4.5 out of five for me.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Despite them being the ugly turtles, despite all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's it, it still, like, that storyline has some real, in the way that this movie does, it has, like, like real pathos yeah. in the journey of the turtles. And, like, they actually, like, they start in one place and they end that movie in another place. Yeah. And I think, actually, Mutant Mayhem <laughs> owes a lot to what that storyline did of, mm. like... Because that that storyline is very much them. It's out of the shadows. It's them right. going from being the ninjas and hiding and nobody knowing that they exist to being like in the public eye, right? Um, yeah, and being superheroes, right? And and I I and and. Mutant Mayhem does a similar thing, but takes it in a different direction, which I'm super excited about. So um, I
2: do want to make sure though that, you know, kind of yeah. listening to you talk about that. I do want to make sure that we, we cover, um, you know, this movie's portrayal of Casey Jones and April O'Neil, yeah. because yeah. I, you know, again, I was coming back to it after so long and after seeing other, um, other iterations of those characters. And so I was just curious on your, your thoughts of this compared to some of the other ones.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, April, this April, it's funny. She's actually a perfect amalgam of the Mirage Comics April mm-hmm. and the cartoon April. Yeah, because in the comics, she's a scientist. She works mm-hmm. for Baxter Stockman. She's part of TGRI, mm-hmm. which then gets turned into TCRI in the movies. But TGRI, um, which is actually like a front for like the the U-trams, which are like Krang is an neutrum. Like like it's a, it's a whole thing in the comics. Um, so she's like there, she's their Avenue into that world. And like the sort of the backdoor into what Baxter Stockman and the, and the Utram are doing. Um, and where the mutagen came from in the first place and all of that stuff. I, uh, and then in this cartoon series, they made her a reporter. They turned her into Lois Lane. Right. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, yep. but the, the, the connective thread there is that she's their one human ally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in the movie, she's a reporter. But she takes on much more of the the like sort of that um I older sister mother vibe that she mm-hmm. has in the comics, whereas like in the cartoon, she's more contemporary to them. Like it's yeah. like it, everybody kind of just has the same tone in the cartoon. Yeah.
1: Um
0: The cartoon does not take Ninja Turtles seriously at all. No. That's the thing is that I'm the cartoon to. is very ridiculous about Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, and so nobody really has an arc until much later in the series and then they tried to, but
1: mm-hmm. it's too
0: little too late. Nobody was watching it that <laughs> Um they used to have a whole thing where like they mutate again and they turn into like mm-hmm. monster turtles mm-hmm. and it's like I, a, it's like a remember oh, that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um they, it sort of tried to get serious for a second but didn't really work. Um but, yeah, so so Judith Hoag's performance as April in this, I think I think actually ends up being pretty definitive for the character for future iterations. Mm-hmm. I think that it, like a lot of the versions of April that have come after it owe a lot more to this one and then and then the 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 live action uh, portrayal in the next movie yeah. um, than than to the cartoon. I think that we've gotten so far away from cartoon April, yeah, although there are a bunch of. Men my age who get very upset every time April is something other than that, because they in the same way that you talked about uh, uh, your your peers being like, well, which one would you date? Yeah, Um we all just had the one choice because uh, uh, Irma Irma wasn't an option. Irma had glasses (laughs) and a turtleneck sweater. So she was not an option. Um, Although like, I'm very much more interested in the Irma type now uh, as an adult than I was then. But it's like, we all grew up thinking that like, that was, I mean, like she was, she was drawn in a very sexually suggestive manner. Yeah. Yellow jumpsuit was, you know, like in this, in
2: this movie, I did, find it interesting like I, you know, the number of times the turtles are like, what a babe when they see her on TV and stuff like that. So it's, and and that's something that's true in every single version of turtles ever. Even when she does have a more sisterly or motherly role, one or more of the turtles always has a crush on her at some point in the story. Yeah. Um, And that's, uh, and and frequently that's actually how her relationship with them starts is that one of them is kind of infatuated with her and then they go from there. um. And then, obviously, as she gets to know them, it does become, I would argue, a more, a more sisterly bond over time. Yeah. Um, and in this one, to your point, it's a little more motherly, I think, just, um, again, because of the fact that the, th- this movie for them is a journey through adolescence, um, and, you know, kind of entering young adulthood. And she's already yeah. an adult. And she's, to your point, she's more of a Lois Lane character. She's here to, like, yeah. take down the, the rich and powerful and everything. That's what she's after. Um, and so it's really interesting
0: one of one of my favorite gags in the long history of turtles and this is one of those ones that's only funny when you have all of the context like mm-hmm. i mean it's still funny in the 2012 series if you're a kid and you're watching it for the first time it's your first introduction to the turtles but there's a there's a moment in that series where they learn about the mutagen and they learn that that's like like where it came from and and um and uh, michelangelo refers to the mutagen as mom <laughs> like that's <laughs> like like splinter is their dad and the mutagen is their mom because so uh, it's what birthed them right but like the the, the funny thing in like sort of the long history of the turtles the the context that i put that in is that in that one april is also a teenager right that yeah. was the first one where they went like april is not an adult she is a, she is the same age as the turtles mm-hmm. like that was the big change in that one right um to that character and so it's like in that one it was the first time that this joke ever comes up of like the mutage and his mom, because it was the first time that they didn't have a surrogate mother in the story. Right. Probably like it's the first time in the context that mm-hmm. like, that she's never, she never plays that role. She is, she is actually like Donatello's in love with her throughout the entire series. Yeah. Right. So like it was very much that and then and then rise took that and like like she is very much a contemporary of them in that and she becomes a bit of a ninja herself and then in mutant mayhem like they're they've continued on with that um mm-hmm. and also and also in diversifying the cast by having her be a be a black girl instead yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. uh, yet another white character yeah uh, for for a you know, pop culture. So, um, yeah, but I, I, it is, is, you, you, when we talk about it and then you put that in context, I think it's a really like it makes that gag in that series even funnier. Yeah. That definitely works like they have no surrogate mom in that story so then like michelangelo attaches to the first thing that he can think of as a mother which is a canister of ooze yeah um right yeah an empty canister (laughs) like like they literally like like it's because splinter still has the empty canister and like he literally like reveres it like it's it's, (laughs) the 2012 series is fantastic there's some really good writing
2: in that. that's so funny but yeah that's wild but like and then okay so then to kind of go from the treatment of of April to the treatment yeah. of Casey Jones, I'm going to say something that p- might uh, hurt your soul a little bit. I found okay. myself not liking Casey at all in this movie coming back to like, it yeah. has a couple moments where I'm like, okay, like this is kind of charming. But for the most part, I just found him such a, you know, obnoxious example of like the misogyny that was really, really common um, yeah. in, in this era. And it annoyed the crap out of me, like, especially like the scene that really, pissed me off was when like he's trying to give her a shoulder massage and she's like, no thanks. And he shoves her down into the chair and then puts his hand way too far down her chest to be kosher. I was just like, what is happening here? And it just, that did not like that's similar to like, remember how like in, was it Blade Runner? I think that technically, um, uh, uh, Harrison Ford's character's behavior is like very basically assault, like very similar yeah. where like Casey Jones is basically kind of assaulting April. And that's not cool. So I didn't like that very much, but totally.
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. and I, 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 th- I think it's, I think it is a historical context sort of piece, right. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, in today's sensibility, the things that he does are constituted as over the line. Yeah, right. Very much. But, but I do think that the way that, that she reacts to him, tells you that the characterization was meant to be there's, there's an element of like April. April is very clearly a workaholic. Yeah. She, um, her home is not a home, yeah. right? Like it's, she hasn't been taking care of it. She's been neglecting the mm-hmm. antique store. She's been neglecting the farmhouse. She's been neglecting everything but her job. Yep. And Casey is this character who comes in, who like Casey, for all intents and purposes, appears to be homeless. Yeah. In this story, <laughs> right? Like he seems to not have a place to live. Um. Um. Which I think is a valid read of the character, but maybe also like that's mm-hmm. a little bit. It might, just the there's just no context, mm-hmm. but um. But his, I think he is meant to, to, to be a character that is, is, and the appeal for her is that he is there to break her out of that and remind her that there's more to life than the story, right? I think that's totally
2: fair. I think that's totally fair. And so Mm -hmm.
0: that moment when he's like, like she's refusing the, the shoulder rub starts as like a, Hey, you need to take a second. Like you 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 need need to take a break. Yeah. You're working like you've turned this experience, which is supposed to, as you say, they're in the lap of the goddess. There's he's representing that for her of like, we are meant to be recovering from what happened and you're choosing to turn it into another job.
1: Yep. Yep. So
0: sit down and relax for a second. Yeah. Right. He does absolutely then go too far with it. Right. (laughs) But like, I think that he's he's like that forcefulness is meant to be like a thing of like he's trying to shake her out of that mentality. Um, but because he is a man and she is a woman, there's extra context there of like, you are asserting dominance. Right. And so it's not cool. It's not cool. No, right. It, we know that now, but in the, at the time, sure. I think it was chivalrous, right? Like, I think like that it was, but, but Casey is always meant to be because he's a vigilante and because he's an outcast, he's an outsider. Mm-hmm. His version of chivalry is different. It's right. not like he is, he's, he's he's a, he's a. He is a Ronin. He is a mm-hmm. knight with no kingdom. He's got. Yep. He has no lord. So by design, he chooses to have no lord. No one tells Casey Jones what to do, mm-hmm. right? Not even the turtles. Nobody tells Casey Jones what to do, right? And that's so. Like he's supposed to sort of be this. This kind of. Um, I I I don't know. Like the, this this icon of freedom right yeah. like of like of uh, like he's he's a very libertarian yeah. sort of ideology right but but not in a bad way i don't know well, there's a little bit and of in it, this like, and in
2: this movie he's it's interesting cuz similar to again as we'd already talked about with the turtles and danny and all the boys who have been victimized by the foot and everything like they they're all on this journey of growth like Casey is too and in particular yeah. part of the way that he grows as a character is by again, trying to protect and defend these boys who, you know, he yeah. is older than them. And so he, you know, has the opportunity to sort of rescue them and obviously rescue Splinter and everything. And so um, this is how he sort of matures into adulthood. And then to your point, you know, like trying to get trying to get, get um, April to, to see beyond just the job and everything and, and just her, her own kind of, you know, life and her own needs seeing outside of that. So I can definitely see that. Um, And then with regard to the two of them and their relationship, um, while I don't love it for the aforementioned reasons, I will say one thing I did really like, again, given the era, was at the end when April tells (laughs) her boss exactly how much money she wants to make. She wants a corner office with windows and all this other stuff. And then as she's getting ready to go on the air, she walks up to Casey and she's like, so you're going to kiss me or not? And so I love that she just immediately becomes this like, Incredibly, yeah. I mean, she's been a powerful woman the whole movie, but at the end, she just owns everything. It's like, yeah. and I get, I get my job and my money and my office, and like you know, and and now I got this like hot guy that's really into me, and so like you know, I like that for her yeah. that she gets to yeah. kind of just have everything.
0: It, there is very much an element at the end of the movie and it, it kills me that he's not in the next one he doesn't come back until the third one and yeah. he's used in a very different way in the third one in April like they're not in scenes together right. so like we don't get to see more of that right mm-hmm. Um but that at the end of the movie he is very much arm candy for her right oh, like God, you, like you say like trophy
2: boyfriend like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, she's just like she, because he's still trying to do the the playful banter thing of the like, hey, well, like, is this a, are we gonna do this or not? And she's just like, would you just shut up and kiss me? Exactly, like, I, yes. like, like if I didn't want you around, I would tell you,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: right? Exactly. Like, like I have allowed you to think that you're in charge up until this <laughs> point, but let me be super clear now: who is wearing the pants in this relationship? Which is a very like early '90s way to go about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, it it, 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 works for me. And, uh, I, I, again, so much of the Ninja Turtles, it's, I'll tell you, it just informs who I am as a person. And that, that, that moment right there until, until this moment right now, I don't think that I ever put together that like, yeah, that's, that's something that definitely informed my relationship with <laughs> um, is that you know, like I, 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 can, I can relate on a lot of levels to Casey, and then I, uh, and then I, uh, uh, the the type of women that, that I find appealing, mm-hmm. I, I, are very much have that same drive that April has. Nice, very cool. So, so awesome. funny. I always look back at this stuff that from my childhood, and then I go, hmm.
1: <laughs> like we it.
0: don't really free will is an illusion right (laughs) everybody's like i made decisions like you didn't make decisions a movie that you saw when you were five years old made made decisions
2: for you exactly
0: um yeah we are we are just we are just a collection of memories and neurons attached to those memories that fire off whether we want them to or not (laughs) does Um, fiction
2: affect reality oh well yeah 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 yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah
0: but uh, anyways i i that's a this is a, that's a whole other topic <laughs> right. there there is we, we do have to bring up the one other aspect of casey jones oh, in yeah, this yeah, movie yeah. we can't get away from which is that like he is very homophobic oh my god
2: yeah comes up a couple <laughs> and times to the literally. extent
0: one of the best jokes in the movie is a homophobic joke but i think that it, at the time it wasn't with this lens but in 2023 i can watch it with this lens that donatello like listen this version of donatello in particular i do not think is necessarily a heterosexual interpretation of donatello i i i would i would <laughs> i would put a queer filter onto that character in in 2023 and look at him that way yeah. um especially with Corey feldman's performance like i just i just think that it i do think that it's there i think there's an undercurrent of it there but uh and his connection with casey i think is part of that Mm -hmm. i and i think that casey's response is something that helps me read into this interpretation of donatello as this character um and i'm going to be clear queer not gay i'm not saying that this interpretation of donatello is gay i think that he also thinks that he he says in the movie that April is a babe right so it's Mm -hmm. like I just think that this Donatello is a little bit more enlightened and doesn't care he's not gonna put labels on it Yep. but there's a joke where he goes where Casey is afraid to stay in the sewer and he's like you're a claustrophobic and Casey turns around and goes goes like you want me to punch you I've never even looked at another guy (laughs) (laughs) because he's calling him he's calling Casey thinks he's calling him homophobic Mm -hmm. and Casey is interpreting that as having a problem with gay people or like that he himself might be gay in some way and therefore is responding in a way that would make Donatello think like there's so many layers to that joke that it's really hard to read it Mm -hmm. on face value. But in 1990, it was absolutely a homophobic joke. right? Mm -hmm. It was like, but, but, but it's also like Casey is also responding that like, he thinks that, that donatello said the word homophobic and he responds negatively to it but then also reaffirms i'm definitely not gay right (laughs) yeah so it's like his his read as a as a as a as an outsider in new york city in 1990 is like hey man whatever floats your boat right like that's Mm -hmm. that's the first layer of it but then but i'm not gay yeah i'm a man right Mm -hmm. like it so it is it is it's an it's an enlightened 1990s homophobic response if that makes sense
2: yeah but it's interesting because it's like it's it is and at the same time sometimes it feels like we just haven't come that far like i don't mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. this might seem like a segue but like it's totally. no it's it's related but are you if you're familiar with the um musical dear evan hansen there's a joke in it that like it, it probably aged more poorly and more and more quickly than any other other I can think of in Reese where like a joke was made and within a year. Everyone was like, actually, that's a really homophobic joke and that's not okay. Hmm. But there's a part in the, in the song where they talk about how these, these two boys, the main characters talk about how they're really, really close, but then they go, you know, but not because we're gay. No, not because we're gay. Uh, We're close, but not that way. The only guy that I love is my dad. And anyway, so this, and it's supposed to be this really funny thing, but in reality, you're just like, wait, what, what? Did they just, like, yeah, protest what does that mean? way yeah. too much in order to actually... Which got even weirder when, of course, then the star of that show came out. And so then it was like, so wait, now he's playing a character that is homophobic, even though he himself is gay. Like, what? So anyway, yeah. the, all of that to say that, like, that was only a few years ago. Like, probably immediately pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: for sure. You know?
2: And, yeah. and they were still making, basically, that same joke that they made in 1990. Um yeah. Yeah. Which is wild. No. So it's... It's a shame, but, like, it, I agree. It's, like, it's weird because it is funny and also kind of uncomfortable because you get what's going on around it so yeah yeah
0: the, i mean like the joke is that casey is stupid the, right? the joke like is
2: that stupid because he doesn't know the difference between claustrophobic and homophobic and that's why it's yeah homophobic.
0: he just he yeah. yeah he hears the word phobic and thinks homo yeah and then is like i'm not a homo right like that's <laughs> yeah, like that's his really thing the
2: whole point yeah
0: and it all happens in a split second and that's what makes it funny and especially because it's coming from donatello
1: right
0: i uh, to me like like that's he's the one to deliver that joke he's mm-hmm. like oh you're a claustrophobic because he's the smart one so he's mm-hmm. going to use a word that's way over Casey's right, right, head. right exactly even though we've seen in this movie that he and Casey have the best relationship but at you. this point right mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's a, a yeah it's 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 one of those ones that's like oh this this has aged poorly but like I still laugh at it every time mm-hmm. because I'm only human and and Casey being dumb is funny it's just like, yeah so yeah. it's like I, I I laugh in spite of the homophobia mm-hmm. um Which I think is fine. Uh, This is is one of those things. We talk about this so often when we talk about things that are very old. Like Shakespeare is a really great example of something that we go like, oh, well, we have to put it in historical context. But then like things that are only a few decades old, we go like, well, we should have known better. And it's like, but we didn't. Well, we absolutely didn't know better at the time. And I don't think that the, like there there is a there's a contingent of terminally online individuals uh, that would then say that this movie should all be thrown out because yeah. there's a homophobic joke in it. Right. And to me, it's like, no, like, let's have a conversation about it. It's fine. It's fine for something to exist within context. Mm-hmm. It's like the. um I can't remember if it's an Animaniacs or Tiny Toons joke of like them going back and like fixing all of the old, or maybe it's a Simpsons joke. It's, I think it's a Simpsons joke. Uh where like they go back and like they, 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 they're fixing all of these old movies. um And it's Casablanca. And like they're, they replace a cigar or whatever with a, with a carrot. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and Marge is like, it's like, Oh, that's much more wholesome. It's like, yeah. cause we can't have smoking in movies anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like like, let the past be the past it's okay that we sucked at I a certain point I wonder if that was the reaction long... to
2: E.T. because remember how like E.T. they went and put walkie talkies instead of guns and it was like
0: what? this this joke is this joke is like I, and now like that confirms for me that it is the Simpsons is because of the, the point in time that it is the joke yeah. is very prescient because it, it precedes that choice oh yeah right because mm-hmm. that, that happened like when like the later 90s or early 2000s like I can't remember when they did that, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, they replace all the guns with walkie talkies. So yeah. stupid, yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's like because you can't have the government pointing guns at a bunch of uh, teenagers, children. Mm-hmm. uh Yeah, mm-hmm. um yeah. It's uh, to me, it's like like I as as a a film nerd, film historian, film buff, a, a film snob. I I am very much of the the opinion that we preserve things and then we discuss them, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there's problematic stuff in everything there are things in movies that we're making now like to your point about about Dear Evan Hansen it's like that is not that old nope and it has problematic stuff in it that like at the time everybody is going to laugh at but then within a year or two everybody is like uh right and it's like Yeah, (laughs) the 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 Spider-Man video game that came out a few years ago is a fantastic video game. I think it's one of the best games ever made, Mm -hmm. but it is very difficult to go back and play it because there is there are multiple storylines in it because the game came out in 2018, I think Mm -hmm. Um, there are multiple storylines in it where Spider-Man is not just assisting the cops, but like doing work for them. Yep. One of the, one of the way mechanics in that game is that like, in order to open up the map as mechanically in a game, you have to have a reason, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, with this big map, it's an open world game. we got to open up all these, these checkpoints on the map and get all of the little dots so that I know all of the things that I have to go do. And the way that you do that is that the police have a bunch of scanning towers that they are using to surveil New York city, uh, to surveil no, Manhattan. No. And you as Spider-Man are like, I can bring those back online. I'll just use my spider gadget and help the cops. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, d- well, in the context of the video game, Spider-Man is like, I'm going to use this to hook into their police scanners so that I yeah. know when things are happening so that I can like show up and save the day when there's a car chase. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was Spider-Man, t- totally legitimate thing for him to do as a superhero in New York City. Right. Yep. But in our context, in the year 2023, or even a couple of years after that, like start, like really actually in 2017, 2018, 2019, yeah. um, we start to get this context of like, well, that's not what those cops are going to use that for. Yeah. Those cops are absolutely going to use that in order to like confirm their own suspicions, which are racially motivated mm-hmm. and leading to way more black guys ending up in prison than anybody else. Right. Like. Like now we we have had that conversation, and so now I play that video game. And like every time I'm helping the cops in that video game, I'm like, oh, Spider Man shouldn't be doing this, yeah, right? Like yep. Spider Man's an everyman hero; he really should be standing up against the cops, yeah. not working alongside them. Um, yeah, and then yeah, like <laughs> so. I don't know <laughs> the the Spider Verse stories. I think are getting a little bit more along those lines. Mm-hmm. I I and they're gonna play with that a little bit, but yeah. I I. But yeah, like it's. But does that mean that I now throw out that video game as one of the best video games ever made? I no, I can't. Right? We we Mm -hmm. have to put things in context, even things as recent as 1990, and then go like, can we live with this? Mm -hmm. There are definitely things that cross the line, right? Like, and then and then there are people that cross the line. So it's like I can never watch a Woody Allen film ever. Oh, I know. It's tough. It's It's tough tough because Woody Allen is a very, very talented filmmaker, but an absolute garbage human being. I also have a really hard time watching the first two Avengers movies now knowing that Joss Whedon
2: is <gasps> complete
0: and oh. utter trash. No,
2: again, not to get totally off topic, but you know the one that yeah. really gets me that just really hurts. You wanna talk about formative experiences as a child. Yeah. When I was a kid, we had you know the old analog turntable record player and we played Bill Cosby comedy records. All uh, the time, and I remember like we would laugh and laugh. We would beg my dad to put them on, please put yeah. them on. We just laughed yeah. so hard. And I just, there's such a huge part of my childhood, and arguably like the formation of my sense of humor i can't yep. listen to them now because bill cosby yeah. is also a horrible person and i'm like come on man yeah <laughs> stop ruining yeah, things it, for me it but
0: but it's like but that's why i, I don't you say off topic i don't think we're off topic yeah. this is the reason why we do the podcast mm-hmm. right this is the sort of stuff that comes out of it we're talking about ninja turtles and now we're talking about like art versus the artist and it's like mm-hmm. you know it's just where the conversation goes but But yeah, like there is there is absolutely a conversation to be had that we have to have, which is that it does not matter that Bill Cosby objectively is one of the best comedians to have ever stood on stage and done the job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, unequivocally, objectively. Mm -hmm. But. It does not change the fact that he is a criminal mm-hmm. and a monster. Yeah. So all of that stuff, especially the Cosby show, which I think can be sort of viewed in isolation. Yeah. Right. I, like, like as long as you have the context and you can be like, well, he used that power to do horrible things.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. He used that. But, but he also used it to bust open the doors and change the way that, that society saw black people. Mm-hmm. Right. Right like 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 that we have to have the conversation about both things being true. Yeah, exactly. Because because we you cannot throw away history. It exists, mm-hmm. right? That's exactly like cuz we talk about that in the in the negative context of like um people wanting to act like America has always just been great, right? Or mm-hmm. Canada. You know what? It's even worse here because Canadians have a better reputation than Americans globally, right? So as Canadians, we have this reputation as being polite and wonderful human beings and we're just all I've never met a Canadian I didn't like. Well, Canadians as you like think of them uh, in, in a monolith sort of I I sort of you know generalization, you're thinking of a white person when I say that, right? When I say about the oh sorry Canadian, mm-hmm. you're thinking yeah. about a white person, which does not represent our country at all mm-hmm. i i like this is a very diverse country i mean like we have the same issue that that america has which is that you fly over the middle of this country and it is predominantly white but um this country just like america is built on the back of genocide <laughs> right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like and, and and we try and erase that and we talk about canadian historical figures as you know, heroes and they're not, they were absolute monsters that, that enacted genocide and, and did horrible, horrible things in the name of their version of patriotism and in the name of colonialism. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so we have to, we have to have conversations about that. We have to have conversations about this art that is formative, that yeah, absolutely did positive things. And I think in the long tail of history, it, it, Bill Cosby's effect on society, it outweighs the things that he did personally. Right. Right. Um, So, so, in the long run it doesn't take away it does that doesn't mean that i go like forgive him for what he absolutely not throw him like lock him up throw away the key let's never talk about him in a positive light ever again but let's talk about the piece of art that he created right which is the cosby show that did have a positive effect on society and 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 did change the course of of you know tv um, yeah of history and tv especially for black people right yeah, for sure. um but at the same time that we talk about it then we have to go like eh, by the way so we talk about this movie and then we have to go by the way as much as it does right there's a homophobic joke in it <laughs> right yeah, like, like there's a
2: there's a homophobic joke in it there are um uh, there are clichés um you know about uh, japanese and asian people in it there are yeah. you know even the way that um that crime is depicted you'll notice that crime is extremely white in this in this movie um yeah. because like again like they they're trying to create i don't know how to explain it you know create the world that that they thought their audience imagined right not yeah. not the reality cuz like What are they going to do they're going to redeem all those all these boys are they going to redeem all those boys if there are a lot of you know lost black boys maybe not in 1990 so this is the point is that like you know it's a fun movie and we can absolutely enjoy it and like i showed it to my kids and all that other kind of stuff um and then you also got to have a conversation about these things and you have to consider that for some people there are aspects of the film that will be a bridge too far. And if for them that taints it to the point where they can not enjoy it, that's okay. So like, again, to go back to like, feeling like Casey is really kind of like skirting the line of assault there. Like for some people, that's going to be more than they, than they want to, you know, see in their entertainment. And they're going to be like, Nope, I don't need this one. This one can go in the bin. And so, you know, that's, that's why I like talking about this kind of stuff is that to your point, it's like, you know, you're you're really talking about it as a piece in time how you know you've reacted to it over the years and yeah. and you know what you've learned since then all that kind of stuff so it's it it's really cool i think you get a lot out of these conversations and and again i what i found most extraordinary watching this film again after having not seen it for so long was the way that it just that whole conversation about masculinity and young men mm-hmm. was so modern
1: <laughs>
0: yeah
2: and so uh, yeah there's a lot a lot to enjoy
0: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I you know what I, we are approaching the two hour mark mm-hmm. I think, we did, oh, I think yeah. we did it I think we did it I think I think we've I think we've successfully talked about teenage mutant ninja turtles. Uh, from the nineteen nineties, I, I, we've talked about the Ninja Turtles in general, and we've talked about we've we turned it into important conversation <laughs> about important things, which is uh, which is always the goal, always the aim. I, I, let's talk about something silly and get to a place where we can make ourselves better as a result. That's what like this is the thing that's what makes it a perfect 10 mm-hmm. that is what makes it a perfect 10 for me is that like it yeah it's a silly movie about a bunch of anthropomorphic turtles i've been drawing ninja turtles recently i uh, like I'm, nice. I'm i'm in the process of a, of a piece that that um that uh that i've been posting sort of like peaks of on social media and mm-hmm. i'm and i'm on blue sky now and uh and blue sky i i really like this as a platform that like when you upload images it's like hey don't forget to add your alt text, right? Which is super important. And so I'm having to add alt text and the purpose of alt text on an image is to describe what is depicted in the image for someone who can't see it. Right. And the act of writing a description for a, uh, an illustration of a Ninja turtle is just absurd because every, like I've made a joke of it that I hope that if anybody is looking at my art on Blue Sky and reading the alt text, like like somebody uh, who cannot visually see the art is wants to enjoy my stuff is reading these I hope that they that they get that there's a there's a gag in them that I put in there mm-hmm. which is that every one of them starts with anthropomorphic turtle comma and then the name of it <laughs> so yeah. it's like because it's like how do I explain to someone who's never seen what a ninja turtle is. That a ninja turtle is a half human, half turtle, <laughs> uh, named Leonardo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I just I find that so absurd, just on the face of it, mm-hmm. that, I, that that you know to have to describe uh, what is a ninja turtle. It's an anthrop. It's an anthropomorphic turtle.
2: Yeah. And you might you uh, might find that your use of alt text changes over time as well because you'll find different yeah. schools of thought about, you know, how much description people want. Do they want, like, to your point, like getting really specific and, and giving all this description yeah. and explaining it as though someone's never seen it? Or do you want, you know, something shortened to the point, assuming that, you know um, that they've seen some of these things before maybe or at least have context for yeah. them yeah. and and you know that they, they want to be able to get through very quickly and and uh, you know not have it be really long so it's really interesting I definitely recommend that people there is a setting in blue sky where you can actually require alt text on all your in uh, your images so I do recommend turning it on because it will mm. you know in, encourage you obviously to, to put it in there no, and to get yeah. yeah and to get practice with you know how to do it and you know you'll get you'll see more feedback over time about how people like to use alt text and then you can improve it so yeah, yeah definitely it's really good
0: yeah it's one of those things for me where it's like because the purpose of me posting my pictures like my, my illustrations online is for people to look at them enjoy them. And like, usually there's, I, I'd like to put a little bit of humor into my art, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're cartoons. So it's like, so I'm I, like, I have to approach the alt text and go like, well, I want to give the same experience to mm-hmm. A visually impaired person that i'm giving to somebody who can see this which is that like these are like the they're they are cute silly drawings of the yep. of the turtles uh, like out of ninja context like yep. that's that's like my 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 thing with them is that like they don't have their weapons um and this was sort of off of mutant mayhem right is that like i wanted to just sort of depict them as as boys yeah. right um, and so it's like, yeah, like, like Leonardo, I have him like daydreaming when I'm done, it'll be, he's daydreaming about April, but like he's daydreaming. So like, that's my description of it is that, is that he is, is it, the description I think is something like anthropomorphic turtle, Leonardo with his hands behind his head, uh, daydreaming, uh, well, like with a, with a, with a, with a distant look daydreaming or something like that. Cause yeah. like, cause that's. Like that's the point of the of, of this drawing is that I want you to like get a vibe from him, right? Yeah. So, but if it but if it were like a picture of um of my food, I would probably be <laughs> like, "This is a this this is a plate of this," right? Yeah, like yeah. be be more be more succinct of like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is not that important, yeah. right? This is I just I just the the text underneath like my whatever the tweet or the the blue sky post is is like. This was a really good meal right yeah. like it's like that's the context the picture is just a picture of what it was nice. um but yeah but when it comes to my drawings i think that i will probably end up being very silly and verbose about oh, them might because as well. it's like because i want i want that visually impaired person to have an equal uh fun experience of my drawings that mm-hmm. uh, uh that that everybody else I hope is having. I don't know. I don't know with my drawings. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing about art is that like, sometimes you're like, I I think I'm getting my vibe across. And people are like, these versions of the turtles are super rad. And it's like, that's not, I mean, like, I guess they are, but I want them to be like, I want. I, I'm really trying to make them wholesome. Yeah. Uh, I want them to just like feel like like uh, like wholesome good boys. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but also go, rad is
2: always a positive term for turtles. Let's be honest here. Of course, it <laughs> is. of course. So yes. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah. So go follow follow me on on social media, guys, because uh, that's the only way that I can get validation for doing these things <laughs> is if you guys are liking my posts, man. Oh, this whole thing with Twitter, just the just oh. to close it. Up. This whole thing with Twitter. He's just absolutely destroyed that ecosystem. And now I post and like nobody sees it yeah. and I get no validation, I get no engagement, I get no interaction from my friends. And then and then my my uh rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is a part of ADHD that I was not aware of, but then it's like you put a definition on it. It's like, "Oh, that's what's happening in my brain." Mm-hmm. It just goes into overdrive of like nobody likes me anymore. Oh, and it's like, that's no, that's not it. It's the, like, you just like, there's an algorithm and the algorithm doesn't like yeah. what you're doing because it's not hate posting. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like it just it, it, like, he really just, he's messing with things that he does not understand and really, really making the world a worse place, he which is. is the opposite of what we try and do with this stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. I want the world to be a better place. I want to make my, podcasts to make the world a better place and i want to talk about movies that i think make the world a better place i i i am firmly of the opinion that this movie ninja turtles from 1990 it it objectively makes the world a better place i think it is existing. worth
2: i think it is worth watching if you ha, if you've not seen yeah. it or if it's been a long time since you've seen it i do think it is worth watching Go it back. Is, it's yeah. a fun time
0: yeah yeah and then and then watch secret of the use and then watch uh, turtles 3 um Mm -hmm. and just 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 watch them and try and have fun and if you're really feeling
2: it like watch the other versions too because there's so many good ones
0: yeah well i the yeah i said that earlier right i don't think that there's a bad version of the ninja turtles with the exception of the next mutation (laughs) which is just just because it's poorly written i think everybody was trying really hard the suits are really impressive Mm -hmm. the suits are really impressive um but even i'm gonna here here's the real kicker I'm going to send everybody on a, on a, a wild goose chase, if especially, hopefully this is resolved before the, the strike is resolved before Christmas and everybody can, can hear this podcast in advance of Christmas. And then like, keep this, keep this uh, tucked away for when you start to see Christmas stuff way too early and you get mad about it um, and you're like, Oh, Christmas. And then it starts to like that whole thing, like, like ruins your Christmas spirit. Go online. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Uh, but try and find the whole thing. Try and find the complete thing. Well, we we wish you a turtle Christmas. I. It is. I. At the time they had done this is like post the movies, like post Secret of the Ooze, they did a a stadium tour called Turtles Coming Out of Their Shells. <gasps>
1: I remember that. Was like- <laughs>
0: That was like it was like a rock show where <laughs> the turtles were singing songs and it's awful. It's absolutely oh awful.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's fantastic because it's so nineties, right? Yeah. So it's like it's 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 like like next mutation is just bad. Coming out of their shells is like good bad. Like it's so bad that it's just fantastic. And the and the turtles Christmas special where they have to they it's Christmas Eve and they've forgotten to get a present for Splinter. Oh my gosh. And so they got to go. They gotta go find a a a, a present for Splinter, um, and 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 along the way they're gonna they gotta do the rap rap, which is a rap about wrapping Christmas presents, and they got like and they they just they have to sing some songs oh about gosh. Christmas and about finding presents and about pizza, and I uh, and it's just it is it is the best thing ever. It that and the He-Man Christmas special in which Skeletor. <laughs> is affected by the spirit of Christmas yeah. and becomes a good guy for a day. And it's just like, <laughs> it, like these are my, these are my, my go-tos like that. And Rudolph, the red nose, right. I it's hope like you know have I'm going to gonna go find these those the
2: every second that we get off. I'm absolutely going to go look. It
0: is. <laughs> it is so good that it doesn't matter that it's August right now. Nope. If you're listening to this, when this releases, it doesn't matter. You can still enjoy this, but I implore everybody to make this a part of their Christmas traditions because it's a part of my Christmas tradition. And I, yeah, I have it. I have it burned on a DVD somewhere. That's how important (laughs) it is to me is that like I found it and I was like, I need to make sure that I have this. If the internet is destroyed, I still have a copy of this for myself along with my VHS of the star Wars holiday special, which, yeah. Thankfully, the best part of that is preserved online. I, I, well, I mean, like Disney Plus. Who, who knows? They could take it away any second. Those monsters. Um, but, it, but, but the 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 faithful Wookiee is on uh, Disney Plus. Nice. So, but don't go watch it right now. Don't wait until the strike is over because, like, don't give them any extra.
1: Yeah, right for sure. Now,
2: those mm-hmm.
0: jerks. It's bad enough that we're gonna have to watch Ahsoka. You know.
2: Yeah, I, I speak I, for anyways. yourself. I'm gonna pass. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair
0: uh cool that's it that's an episode thank you guys for listening thank you so much missy for uh taking your saturday afternoon Mm -hmm. (laughs) and talking about ninja turtles at great length with me Mm
2: -hmm. thank Um, you for the invitation this was unexpected but fun
0: awesome awesome Mm -hmm. i'm glad i'm glad awesome uh the next episode of perfect 10 is actually going to be something new i I would love it if everybody listening to this, uh, that especially like, cause this will be all the Patreon people. If you guys could go to the discord, you have a special area in the discord, but I'm going to, uh, which is for members only, uh, but I'm going to create a thread, I think under, uh, under perfect 10 on the discord for this movie specifically. And what I want is after you guys have listened to the podcast, which that's why we're talking about at the end, uh is to like like i want to hear what you guys have to say about uh uh turning teenage mutant ninja turtles 1990 um i i want to know you know like what are your memories of it but like really importantly i want to know like what's everybody's first memory of the ninja turtles if you have a story to tell to go go to the discord and uh and drop that in there and uh and then i'm going to do an episode in two weeks where i read that that uh, listener feedback and like read your guys as part of it, which is going to be a new thing for us that we haven't done before. So I'm going to do that. Also, also, if you listen to the latest episode of off the record, you know that where I'm getting the idea from, I've just started listening in the last month to how did this get made? And they do, when they do their episode, then they do another episode follow up, which is called "Last Looks" for them. I'll come up with a funny title for ours, um, for for Perfect Ten, for for what it is. For your guys' feedback, but if we got anything wrong, or like if there are corrections to the things that we said, because undoubtedly a lot of this is us going off of memory and 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 sort of I uh, I I memory is faulty, right? It's, we are not hard drives, so. Uh, if there was anything that we said in this episode that was incorrect or that you think needs more context, then then also drop that in there so that I can uh, uh, talk about that. Uh, and, uh, and you know, you can also just drop trivia about the movie or whatever about the topic uh, in there. So that'll be the next episode on the Perfect 10 feed that you guys will get uh, on Patreon, but that will eventually go up on the public feed one day. Um, uh, and then after that, the next topic, the next new topic that we're going to do is something that we'll actually be able to go out on the public feed, which is Joe and I are going to talk about final fantasy 16. Um, so, uh, look forward to that, uh, which, which will be the fastest perfect 10 turnaround, I think, because that game like just came out earlier than like just a couple months ago. And, uh, but Joe and I played it and we like blown away with how good it was because it wasn't really. Any, neither one of us were expecting it to be as good as it was um, but uh, we've got a lot to talk about and perfect 10 is the best place to do that so we' are gonna end especially right now with the strike going on that's the best time to do it because we can actually talk about video games we're actually we're not breaking any rules uh, we're, we're still showing solidarity with the unions uh, by talking about it so um, so yeah we'll have that and then I'm gonna tease you guys amanda my co-host from quiver and the thundercrack podcast is going to be on perfect 10 i probably so the way that it'll break down is that there will be two episodes in october i really hope i really hope that the strike is resolved before the second episode in october because missy you and i have already talked about what that is meant to be and i want to be able to release that That would be great it will go out for patreon no matter what because we are doing this we're going to talk about this this show but The first episode in September is going to be A Perfect Ten with Amanda, which those of you who've been been following since Quiver, um, I think that you'll you'll be excited to have Amanda come back to a podcast for her and I to talk about something. And I don't know what that is yet we haven't, we haven't discussed what it's going to be, but she's been reading a lot of books and she's got stuff that she wants to talk about. So, um, so it's that, it might be that, it might end up being new adventures of Superman or not new adventures of Superman. uh, My adventures with Superman, because, um, because that's animation. We can talk about animation because that, that is also um, not part of the strike. So um, we'll see, we'll see how things play out in the next little bit. I, I, I really, really, selfishly want them to just resolve this strike so that I can go back to not worrying about podcasts. But, uh, but until then, um, Patreon is the only place to get this specific content. So I hope that, that the Patreon listeners appreciate that, that, uh, uh, we're still providing for them, uh, in the midst of all of this, but I, uh, yeah. Um, if you do want to support the, the, the unions that are on strike and as well as, other people that are affected by it, uh, entertainmentcommunityfund.org is a really great place to go and make a donation. Um, it's a fund that is specifically for people that are affected by the work stoppage. So not just those specific unions, but also the other unions that are affected because they can't work because there are no productions right now to work on. Um, so, uh, yeah, because there's a lot of people that These these strikes are not about the movie stars. They're about everyday people like you and me that just happen to work in film, um, and, uh, and, and need those jobs to make a living and right now can't. So, um, I implore everybody to go and make donations, uh, uh to that. And there, there are actually like a whole bunch of foundations. And if you go to the union websites, especially like sag after has a lot of resources, um, that you can go to and you can look at and, uh, and and make those donations which is like even if you're listening to this after the strike is over you still make a donation and retroactively you are you know i, I there will be another strike in the future it happens <laughs> um and there's other reasons why why people would go to to those funds um i but yeah i don't i don't think that even if these strikes get resolved, there are other strikes looming in the future. So uh, uh, this AI and technology stuff isn't going away. Um, so every everybody's going to get their turn to fight against it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the studios learn their lessons sooner rather than later. But... Anyways, I, that is it for this episode. Once again, Missy, thank you uh, for being on the show. If people want to keep up with you, what is the best way to do that right now?
2: Um, For now, I really recommend finding me on Tumblr. I am on blue sky, but I, uh, you know, TBD what's going on over there. Um, So Tumblr, I am all girls are princesses.
0: Excellent. I definitely do that. Missy has amazingly intelligent things to say about all sorts of topics. Uh, and uh you're one of my favorite people to follow oh so,
2: thank you you're um, very kind sometimes it's intelligent and sometimes it's just squealing because you know i think both are valid <laughs>
0: yep absolutely so, we yeah. contain multitude exactly uh uh awesome well uh again thank you everybody for listening uh, thank you missy for being on the show and uh we will see you guys on the next episode Thunderquack perfect 10 is hosted by me michael Cohn. Follow us on Twitter at Thunderquack on Instagram at Thunderquack Podcast, on Facebook at Thunderquack, and join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord. Support the podcast by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect10 pop quiz. Thunderquack Perfect10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.